Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where we order Zima, not emphysema. I'm your host, Leather Muppet Bob Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? That took a lot of class, Bob. Henry Gilbert, hi. And our special guest. I, hating every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee, Nathan Ortega. Ooh, that's the best line. And today's <laughs> episode is A Fish Called Selma. Well... Not quite a mop, it's not quite a puppet, but man! <laughs> Today's episode aired on March 24th, 1996, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! The Markhopper mining disaster happened in the islands of Marinduke, Philippines. The first volume of Stephen King's Green Mile serial is published. And Showgirls wins the Golden Raspberry for Worst Film, while Braveheart wins the Oscar for Best Picture, which I would reverse those two. I agree with you on that one. (laughs) But The Green Mile, I want to talk about that. What a bad way to release a kind of short book. I I read it, I bought it, and I read it. I I mean, like all teenagers, I was a Stephen King fan, but I bought it, and I read it when it was a full book. I'm like, why did they ever chop this up? It it was pointless. A weird experiment in episodic book release yeah i don't know <laughs> well stephen king had gotten kind of bored with how he had been releasing yeah. books so he was just like yeah let's let's try it serialized i remember i i read the first two volumes i didn't read the whole thing but i remember in the first volume there's like an intro that says you know dickinson did the same thing with all of his novels so i wanted to try it myself dickinson Dickinson. okay whoops <laughs> i no, was like emily sorry. dickinson i uh, failed the yes. famous author sorry <laughs> Famous author. I owned you. And also, yeah, Showgirls, way better than Braveheart. I think more memorable. Braveheart, uh, I know Braveheart has the hilarious scene where the king murders his gay son by throwing him out a window. Like, hilarious. That's so funny. Oh, <laughs> Laugh my gosh. Riot. Yep. I mean, Elizabeth Berkeley uh, deserves work. I, I feel yeah. like that was unfair. I agree. Yeah. Nobody it's... was ready for that movie. I mean, I feel like they're only starting to appreciate it now as like a weird cult comedy hit. Yeah, I guess, I guess uh, Saved by the Bell was too fresh in most people's memories. I think now a a child uh, star graduating to taking her top off would be ce- well, celebrated and, and mm-hmm. cheered in the streets instead of looked down upon in the in the sex negative nineties. <laughs> Joe Esterhouse also just wrote he didn't write a funny script he wrote a ridiculous script that then was made funny by the director Paul Verhoeven. It's it's not I I think Gina Gershon too just like fucking rules in that movie. She's so fun. Uh, but all right, this week's episode. It's funny to talk about all that Hollywood stuff because this is a very Hollywood centric classic of The Simpsons. Before we start though, should we introduce Nathan to the oh, audience? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hello, uh, Nathan, Nathan is here. What's your history with The Simpsons? It's pretty much that Mr. Show are the two most formative pieces of comedy in my life. I watched this show religiously. I think like a lot of us during the kind of heyday up for the first de- decade plus of the show's existence. 
as it started getting syndicated. Like four or five, six times a day, I would be watching episodes, either the ones that are airing multiple times a day or like VHS tapes. So like, this is definitely my life, but especially the way I communicate with like my brother and my <laughs> friends at the time was just quotes, con- constant Simpsons references. And they still, even though some episodes like this one sort of faded from my memory uh, as opposed to others, it's still like watching this episode was a lot of jokes were flooding back to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I have referenced this a lot. It's, I lose track of where certain jokes come from. But What's the earliest episode you remember watching? Like, oh, We were watching from, I remember the, the pilot. Oh, okay. nice. I remember like my mom was super not cool with us watching it, but we were like, <laughs> my dad was like, just, just don't tell her about it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, like, I think the one I remember most clearly being in front of a tube TV watching was like the uh, the camping one. Oh, that is season RV. one. Yeah. yeah. So it was like really early on. We should note across this entire network, Henry and I do judge people by the date they started watching something. <laughs> if you're not a day one person, then fuck you. That's as, fair. As long as you were old enough to have watched it day one, yeah. I won't judge someone who wasn't alive or even like five. As harshly. Do. You can still blame them for not being older. <laughs> I, I do blame them for not being born earlier. Right. And at the per- right time, which is the year I was born. Stop making right. me feel old. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Thanks, it. Thanks, Ernie Klein. <laughs> <laughs> and, and were you a tape every week type person or just more like rewatching and syndication? I, well, the, I couldn't start taping it until a little bit later because I was not allowed to have access to the VHS player for that's that. A, that's my brother's responsibility. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. You know, be putting into. sandwiches in there or something. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, I, but I definitely, once I had control over that and could access, it's, uh, funnily enough, I associate recording The Simpsons with my dad. He worked at a local TV network, like the local oh. syndicate, and we would get these like leftover promotional VHSs that I would then tape over with stuff. And the Simpsons was like uh. a regular thing, so I had like constant influx of free empty tapes to, to, uh, to record. That's awesome. Movie. It's sort of like the AOL free disc scam where you could just rewrite those and format them right. put whatever you want on them. That's Most great. of them were only like 30 minutes to an hour at best. Uh, so they were the short ones, but still, it's like an episode or two of The Simpsons I could then catalog. So, yeah. When did you fall off? When did uh, That's the other question we asked. When did you begin and when did you... I end? think, honestly, it was whenever Maude was killed. Mm, oh. Yeah. I remember so. like Grimes showing up and Maude in that area, area and then I just sort of like drifted off after that slowly the mod death is a real good like period end of sentence thing of like oh this is just what the show is now, it's the huh? jumping the shark moment for a lot of people i think yeah i feel like they recovered but that was uh a lot of bad choices yeah. were made with that with mm-hmm. that decision it only takes one goof for people to kind of drop off of a show especially one that uh, was around as long as that you know yeah that's why i can't believe people always say uh the principal and the popper is a turning point and not the mod death because i feel like one is actually a fun enjoyable episode the other one is like mean-spirited and just ugly and it makes you feel gross yeah, yeah principal mapapa i think just gets recontextualized too much as like oh this was the moment or this was the like stumbling block it's like no it was maybe an episode some people liked less but what what, what even happened i'm sorry i don't want to derail oh, the show too much uh, but i don't even remember what that episode that is it's the one where uh, principal skinner is revealed to be a fraud his, his real name is oh, armin tanzer he yeah. took over the identity of skinner yes. okay i do remember that that didn't bother me as much as the yeah. mod one for some reason i don't know i guess it struck people as a uh, a betrayal of of the character or whatever but yeah the mod thing i mean we'll get to this episode sure, soon sorry. but uh, no no but it's like <laughs> well, about you, that you have a character die but then uh you then in the, in the in the next act you have an you have a joke about uh ned's giant dick yeah. in the shower just like it's all over the place in terms of tone it's so crazy in tone and also like how it is peak jerk ass homer where homer more or less causes Maud's death it doesn't care yeah like doesn't care it just there, her, there's a level of cruelty at the center of that that just is hard to get past just her getting smashed with a t-shirt and then she falls to her death like it's 
Oh man, it's it's harsh, but uh, but not see, so much in this. We'll see you in uh, two and a half years for that one, or yeah. maybe maybe just two years. Who knows? This episode has also had things that I for- forgot were a little troublesome mor- from a moral standpoint, but mm. not quite as like line crossing as something like that. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I think this one deals more in like just the the Hollywood gray morality that everyone's just like, yeah, it's Hollywood. Who cares? Like, it's- well, also punching down on Patty and Selma. I, this is something yeah. I didn't remember being. I think young me didn't really get bothered by it as much, but older yeah. me is like, oh, this feels a little. I feel harsh. Uh, there are <laughs> less jokes about uh, them being ugly and hairy and kind of masculine in the episodes that are about them trying to mm. find love or the stories that are yeah. about them. If there's a joke, That's a good point. If they're just a side character, like for a joke, the joke will be about them being ugly or masculine right. or whatever. Or boring. They do humanize them in these yeah. episodes more so. The, they're less battle axes. I think of the previous Selma marriage episode. Episode where mm. it is uh she is portrayed as like an unfuckable monster like just a beast of yeah. like well no one no one will want to have sex with her she's she is disgusting all this there's not as much stuff about her looks in this other than just like you do uh, feel more sympathy for her in this episode and compared to some of the other ones mm-hmm. yeah and i think there's one joke about her being gross but it's her making a joke Oh, Not yes, necessarily yeah. her being gross, but making like a fun joke that Troy doesn't get. But I want to talk about the writer for this episode before we start. The famous writer, Jack Barth. He's gone on to write so many Simpsons, create all, <laughs> all these shows. Of course, I'm kidding. It's It must be an honor to have written this episode, but he was a freelancer because, as we've said in the past, uh, every union show needs to take some freelance scripts every year for you know to give people chances. So they the rules. Yeah. And this guy, I looked him up. He's basically, after this, he just... He kind of basically just worked on documentary series as a writer for documentary series, yeah. a British documentary series. I am confused by the number of BBC programs on his IMDb, <laughs> which almost makes me think that he either moved to England and just got into the BBC or it's a different person. Like, yeah, IMDb pegs the wrong person but. it could be yeah he i'm sure he's got a nice career and is living well but it just uh, it's weird to see a simpsons writer just do this and sort of i'm I done mean, with comedy now yeah, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the documentaries well in the oral history for this episode or well for a scene in this episode that's on vulture bill oakley i believe it is or, or weinstein they talk about that jack barth was a friend of theirs uh, and that's why so i feel like you can safely assume he is another harvard uh, attendee God, i would bet do I you think sp- anybody did punch-ups on the script form oh, if you had much ex- yeah oh for sure it would have yeah. to be right yeah for i mean if not just for freelance scripts but for every script it's a that's process they go through the rooms a few times so but, there's like several filters of extra jokes and tweets oh yeah and stuff that makes sense especially on freelance written ones they they don't even there's not even the writer in the room with them to say hey wait guys don't cut that joke or don't change that so they they rewrite everything including as they mentioned in the uh, the oral history on the Plan the Apes musical, they say that it was not even in the original script. They they completely added that. So it's I'll, probably just like a story by credit ultimately that they end up having, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's ultimately very complicated, and I think we talked about it before. Just because somebody's name is on the episode, we have no way of knowing what amount of content yeah. they added. It mm-hmm. could not. It could be like not their pitch or not their story. It could have been assigned to them. Like half the jokes could be other people's jokes that were yeah. added. It just uh, mm-hmm. it needs to be credited to somebody. So one person gets that uh, credit. That's so, writing credits in general for like yeah. movies. 
movies, everything. Oh, yeah. you know. WGA is very complicated like that. Mm-hmm. And same with, uh, it was something we had to navigate with Dan Graney, who has a joke in this episode he's very proud of. But in our interview, he's like, when we started asking him questions just about episodes he is, <laughs> has his name on, then he kept having to say, like, well, I didn't write that. I didn't write that. So he said, well, if you're taking credit away from me, you have to give me credit <laughs> for the jokes I wrote in episodes <laughs> that I don't have my name on. I do have one minor note about the animation in this episode in that previously in episodes about Patty and Selma, actually in episodes about just one of the characters, they will give Selma S earrings to so the viewer can differentiate them. But in this episode, she has S earrings once, and that is in the like five seconds she's on stage uh, for the Apes musical. That's the oh. only time they give her those S earrings. I guess I guess it's because Patty isn't around that much. Patty doesn't really do a lot in this story, which is I, I feel like they may have missed a little something mm-hmm. there. Patty really is just a background character. It's the couple scenes she's in made me go like, oh, this drama is more interesting. This drama is interesting to me between them. But they also said this script came in way too long. They had to cut a lot of stuff. And so when you've got fun, super fun guest stars like Phil Hartman and Jeff Goldblum, Maybe you don't want to have Patty say stuff. Maybe you just want more space for them. I feel like the Apes musical probably overwrote any potential Patty scenes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Everything just got uh, out of the way for that. I'm shocked that they didn't do a Troy McClure episode before this. Like, this almost feels like something they wouldn't have waited to season seven for to be like, why aren't we doing a full McClure episode? This is actually, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I, I felt like it was kind of shocking and even daring at the time where... You could see them doing episodes about a B-list character like Mo or Otto or Apu or Ned, but Troy's kind of like a C-list character in that he's not like living in the Simpsons or like area. He's not always there in person. He's usually appearing via a video they're watching. So like mm-hmm. he barely, he rarely interacts with. Right any of the characters in fact i don't even know to this point if he has appeared in the universe as himself it's like a kent brockman type of character yeah. where it's like they're pop culture icons within their world but they don't necessarily have to interact with the simpsons because he already had like crusty is a celebrity character where a lot of their hollywood jokes probably went previously right mm-hmm. so yeah. it would probably they probably consider it redundant to have him interact with them more so beforehand that's true like crusty is the vehicle for all of their uh, horrible celebrity <laughs> <Right>. jokes <laughs> but if they want to make fun of a specific failed actor like uh, doug mcclure or right. troy donahue uh, Matt, yeah <laughs> though I, I actually just remembered the one time they shared physical space with the simpsons that i can remember before this and it is when uh, at crusty's funeral where troy's giving oh the eulogy. you're they, right in the same place they don't speak to each other or share a line but, but that was like three episodes ago <laughs> yeah but other than that like troy in fact troy has the magical power of being outside of the simpsons and talking about the simpsons as a show that exists in the 138th <laughs> he's, he's puck the trickster god from he, shakespeare right wow. <laughs> i was thinking mr mix's pitlick but that too, uh, yeah. that's a that's a more literary reference <laughs> puck's better i mean he'll also go on to host these uh spinoff showcase like he and yet he also exists in the world of the simpsons i I never thought of that while watching this episode that he he also exists to comment on the simpsons and that i guess no viewer did at the time because it just that just struck me as odd the first the first time i thought about it is when you just said it henry yeah i i had never really considered it before but it it makes this even more fun of an episode and i'm so glad they did a 
full Troy episode before Phil Hartman's tragic oh, passing. No. Oh, like, yeah. They would have completely regretted it. Like, just thinking now, like, how how much better, say, season 11 could have been if they would have been like, let's just do a Lionel Hutz episode. Oh, like, my let's God. Let's do it. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess the closest we got was Realty Bites, but that was not really a Lionel Hutz episode. It was the closest to yeah. the Hutz. Although, I mean, his tour de force in March and Chains, like, that's, that's bad. Well, Phil four. Hartman, vocal, from a vocal performance standpoint, is almost too good. You almost mm-hmm. don't want to have too much of him because then it's like too much of a good thing because like he is so able to harness the timing of the show comedically more than I think even a lot of the other major cast members at least from my perspective I've always thought he could read out of the phone book and I'd be laughing my butt <laughs> off you know yeah I think he really gets the phoniness of uh, Troy McClure the sad yeah. phoniness mm-hmm. and then he's got to put it on for people even though he's very sad privately yeah I wonder how much of that is oh no you know, they talked about not not just to get into his sad home life, but Conan O'Brien told this story about working with him in SNL is that like you never knew the inside of him. He was just yeah. like, hey, how's it going, Phil? Keep flying, boys. Yeah. Like, all right. Like he, he he masked a lot of pain. But I think he also they, they joke about how they or they tell stories on the commentary, how they would joke with. Phil, like you could be live action Troy McClure. You could just do it. It oh. would have been so easy. Like it would have been perfect too. But it would, with him being a magical god that can appear anywhere, like he should, he could have done a live action thing with no live action Simpsons in it. I mean, he he looks just like Troy McClure. Maybe not as old at the time, but he's got the look, you know, mm-hmm. to him. This episode too is such a great distillation of '90s celebrity culture. Yeah. Because it feels like a more innocent time though, when it was just like, oh, you know that rumor that this guy's a weird sex freak, instead of just finding out like horrible crimes committed by most famous people you may have liked at some point. Yeah, and now every celebrity has had their phone hacked and you can just go wherever you want and see anything you want from anybody. Suddenly liking fish a little too much seems a little tame. It does. I was like, "Eh, that's fine. Well, that's why they needed it. It's such a perfect invention, the fish thing in this episode, because I guess it's kind of a, it's really on the Richard Gere hamster Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, actually it's a gerbil. Huge difference. Huge difference. (laughs) And though also I, when watching this, his his career revival reminds me more of uh, Tr- John Travolta's mid '90s revival because he had mm. basically vanished after like 1982. Then had a big revival, which was followed uh, like preceded and followed by people going like, "Isn't he though gay or he's a weird Scientologist? What's the deal with Travolta?" I guess there was a slight hiccup in his career uh, for the for the better with "Look Who's Talking," but still nobody cared. No, no. I mean, it wasn't until Quentin Tarantino was the obsessed fan who finally wrote a great role for him and from then on Travolta has been like the weirdest superstar ever since then uh but come on Travolta deal with your stuff he's a good dancer (laughs) oh he is yeah I he seemed to be feel so free when he was in hairspray and it's just like just just be this all the time let him be a manic weirdo (laughs) yeah just be this weirdo don't don't try to pretend that you're a regular guy who likes kissing women or something he's paying a a evil cult billions of dollars to convince (laughs) him he's normal (laughs) will we will we turn on him for the positive if he ever makes face off too though oh yeah I'm I'm still on the positive with him but it's face 
still off. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's great. Yeah, face... Uh, unfortunately, Caster Troy dies at the end of Face Off, so it'd be hard. He could be but, a cyborg, or a, or just a twin, a secret twin. Think of how dumb and bad the science is in that movie. They could just bring him back to life. Yeah. Like, oh, we found the magic potion here. Yeah, now we'll have true. another movie. <laughs> yeah, just have a magic po- potion. Why not? I or they should just remake it, but it's still Nick Cage and John Travolta in the same movie. Like that's uh, all right. But anyway, we start <laughs> off this episode with uh, the classic movie for a rain in ball game which i think perfectly sums up what weekend bad entertainment was it also sums up the uh the status of the muppets in 1996 i think this was probably written before muppets tonight uh debuted uh it actually was being canceled as this episode uh, aired but no one cared about muppets tonight it's true but i mean i guess if you were a uh, barter lisa's age you might need someone to remind you who the muppets are if you didn't see the muppet show or the muppet movies from the 80s and late 70s they're on in syndication on yeah. tv on saturday Saturdays and you're like well, what is this crap I mean as a 13 year old boy who loved camp and show tunes I was a huge Muppet Show fan I love the Muppets but I think in 1996 it was true to say a lot of 8 and 10 year olds didn't know what the fuck a Muppet was fair enough <laughs> their, their, their legacy was really in danger after the passing of Jim Henson and before Disney bought it like they didn't have kids just weren't as into the Muppets anymore and well, the quality kind of dipped a little bit too oh, post yes, of Christmas Carol, which is like the best version. It's really good. I've seen people argue, like YouTube essayist Lindsay Ellis, that Treasure Island is actually the best Muppet movie. But uh, well, they, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, and they, yeah. they can be wrong. It's fine. I mean, she was <laughs> maybe she was just the right age at the time. I haven't seen I, it. I, I watched it. Tim Curry is great. Like, he's good he's, in anything. And well, that's also what I love. The t- the casting of Troy McClure on a Muppet movie is perfect. The level he was at, <laughs> the actor like, that they would get in those movies, yeah. uh, <laughs> as seemingly the villain of the movie too. <laughs> I mean, it's. Basically, the role that Charles Grodin played in yeah, the Great right. Muppet Caper, and he was at the same level of like, yeah. oh, yeah. Hi, I'm very affordable. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, you don't go from the Great Muppet Caper to Clifford to Beethoven if you're Boy, a serious actor he had actor it all anymore. for like five minutes, didn't he? Yes, yeah. I think he, he eventually bowed out with like Beethoven 3. <laughs> well, and then he got his own like, uh, wasn't it like an MSNBC or no, CNBC show? Whoa, really? Where, an interview show where he like complained about OJ the entire time like oh, he, that's awkward he was one of those guys who uh old white guys who just snapped when he saw the oj stuff i'm like weird had enough was, yeah he was like what the f-? yeah as a beethoven enjoying kid i had no idea he was uh so old like he's like almost 60 as the dad in beethoven it's crazy he's dead he doesn't now. look that old at that no. point <laughs> i forgot he's dead now i'm saying yeah. but uh, we didn't do it <laughs> uh but also the co-star diane cannon is another one of those oh yeah yep. her like she was a huge star in the 70s who, as guess what, as an actress who aged, she got cast in things less. But she's still alive, 80 years old, is looking pretty good for a woman in her 80s who had a lot of work done, which, <laughs> I mean, hey, if you can afford it, do it. Yeah, That's really. Awesome. I mean, so this, there's a connection to the Muppets. She was a uh, guest on the fourth season of The Muppet Show. And I could have, Diane Cannon, yay! <laughs> yeah, I, can I hear it everybody has a Kermit impression. <laughs> it's kind of an easy voice to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the Muppet Show. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that Diane Cannon was like a multi-time Oscar nominee, including like as a filmmaker for a short, like a live action short. She is a she is a nominee for that. Yeah, the first big movie was Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is about swingers? 
I think so, yeah. So, yeah, I, she's still alive. And also, I just think it's crazy to know that an ex-wife of Cary Grant is still alive wow. today. Like, isn't that wild? Like, she, they were, she was 33 years younger than him when she when they got married. Simpler you know, times. The, it's like when I see a picture of Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow, I'm like, gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who let that happen? <laughs> but, uh, I also think that the voice actors do a great job imitating the Muppets. So like you said, they're they're both easy. Like, hi, yeah, pig. And that whoever, I think it's Dan Castaneda doing Piggy muttering under her breath, like, uh, mm-hmm. not now, frog. It's it's very it's, good. It's spot on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> and uh, I also love the animation on, on Troy's wrinkly face. Like, it's a way they never draw a face on the show otherwise. Actually, the one face that's similar to that is when they have the uh, parody of Luke Perry arriving yeah. at the monorail. It's the exact yeah. same, like, all the wrinkles appear that it's they would true. never, you would never see those well, on a character. You can, had to think about how long it took to animate, probably, with all those little details. <laughs> yes. He's 34 years old. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so we heard What Are Muppets, the not quite a mop, but not, it hurt my feelings as a Muppet fan to even have Homer say he doesn't know what they are. The, the end part is, I quote all the time. To but, answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but man. Uh. Just as they're confused by the Muppets, they're also confused by that leathery Muppet. Harry. Why did they make that one Muppet out of leather? That's not a leather Muppet, that's Troy McClure. Oh, back in the 70s, he was quite the teen heartthrob. Yeah. Who'd have thought he turned out to be such a weirdo? What are you talking about? You know, his bizarre personal life. <laughs> Those weird things they say he does down at the aquarium. Why, I heard... Oh, Homer, that's just an urban legend. People don't do that type of thing with fish. Troy McClure is a perfect gentleman. Like Bing Crosby or JFK. I wonder uh, where Troy is now. That's a great on-the-nose uh, sentence from Marge, just to cut to Troy. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty great comment early on of just like, you don't know who celebrities are, like, in general. Did, is it me, or did the part where she says, people don't do that kind of thing with fish, looked like it was redubbed or something? Like, it might have been. I, it was one of those moments where you had to question if there was an original joke there that they changed. Yeah, they, they had to make it vague enough, because right. I... As a 13-year-old in first viewings, I didn't completely get that the joke is he has sexual relations with fishes. Same here, yeah. But it's you just can't think, what could he possibly be doing that people would be troubled by with fish? I guess I guess I didn't know about the Richard Gere thing until later, but I can talk about that a little bit. I mean, the, um, the urban legend about Richard Gere was that he was hospitalized for having a dribble up, up his rectum. Um, he had to get it removed. Mm-hmm. And there are no cases of that ever happening on record in... Uh, I mean, you know, stick things up your butt. It's fun. But uh, uh, a live animal doesn't sound great, you know? No. It's not fair to the animal. No. It's abuse. Like it's it, got teeth and claws, and it's going to find a way out. Yeah, there's also that danger. And I mean, if you want something that moves around in your butt, you have, you have lots of options that do not involve animal abuse. It's true. So how this spread was during the uh, Pretty Woman era, it's, it's very vague. I don't think they could track down the person who did this, but one prankster uh, sent out a bunch of press releases all, all over Hollywood saying this is what happened happened to Richard Gere <laughs> oh, wow. and it, it caught on so much that people just started started saying it, it was true and like on radio stations and things like that so this meme spread via fax and now it's something that everybody knows it's uh, a no, proto meme yeah for sure wow. it was before who did he piss off in Hollywood I have no idea it could have been <laughs> a, potentially an enemy I don't know but just like the power of that uh, I guess it's such a, before the internet it's yeah. such a captivating idea dribble stuck up someone's ass <laughs> that uh, it's just plausible enough to be believable but still audacious 
salacious enough for people to go, oh my gosh, did you hear? South Park would write quite a few stories based on this urban legend. I I at first heard of it because it's a line in Scream. Like somebody says that in the in the in the movie of like uh it's just a rumor like richard gear and gerbils i was like what huh what is this i think there's a little bit of michael jackson mixed into troy as well like mm-hmm. the reclusive celebrity whose career is over who has strange sex habits that we don't know about behavior yeah and seem like i don't know you seem morally gray at best yes well they, they work overtime to make troy innocent enough that it's like well one he has a Sexual proclivity that that only hurts fish, apparently, or even who knows if it even hurts fish. It probably <laughs> does, but no person is hurt in this. I like to hope they're dolphins. <laughs> and same with like his arrival of the car thing. It just seems like that it, you're supposed to think, oh, he's about to get pulled over for drunk driving, like so many celebrities have, especially and, at the time. Yeah, and, but they had to make it vague. They're like, no, no, no. It's his, his glasses. He's not a drunk driver. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. It, it, the shot was set up so you would think he was, uh, you know, drunk. Swerving yeah. all over the road. Like, you're definitely supposed to think that. But uh, he gets pulled over. All right, Captain Rush Rush, out of the car. <laughs> oh, I'm seeing stars here. No, just one. Hi, <laughs> I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such films as The Greatest Story Ever Hooled, and they came to burgle Carnegie Hall. Ah, <laughs> uh, afraid not. License, please. Says here you need corrective lenses. Put those glasses on, mister. You wouldn't ask a handsome man like me to wear glasses. It'd be a crime against nature. Yeah, <laughs> well, they do kind of make you look like a nerd. Tell you what, just go down to the DMV tomorrow, try to pass that eye test. I'll tear up this ticket, but I'm uh, still going to have to ask you for a bribe. <laughs> it is interesting, now that I'm thinking about it, is we we nev- never heard up until this point Troy speaking as a human, uh, not just as a presenter. So these are like new readings out of Troy that we haven't heard before. Yeah, that's true. It's not him at- on acting. And right? it sounded very Charlton Heston there when he yeah. says losing his cool. Oh, for sure. <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Hey all, it's Henry Gilbert. You may remember me from such podcasts as this one, Talking Simpsons, and also the What a Cartoon podcast, Talking Futurama, Talking Critic. You may remember me from so many things, but if you don't remember me from a couple of those, that might be because you're not a supporter yet at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you go there and sign up for just $5 a month, you'll get access to so many exclusives that we do on Talking Simpsons Patreon, like... Our entire first season of Futurama, where we go through each episode in the Talking Simpsons style with tons of cool guests. Talking Critic, where we do the same for every episode of Simpsons spin-offs type show, The Critic, and it's a ton of fun too. Not to mention we have tons of exclusive interviews with Simpsons legends, including David Silverman, a legend of The Simpsons who has been working on it for over 30 years, as long as anybody else has been working on The Simpsons, David Silverman has as one of their top animators. Mike Scully, who ran the show from seasons 9 through 13. Dan Graney, who invented words like Embiggen and had written for the show for over 20 years. And so many more, and we've got some really cool ones lined up. If you'd like a little sample of those interviews, there's even a free preview episode on this free podcast feed. Do all of that. Sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons today for just $5 a month, and you can be satisfied with knowing you're supporting me and Bob doing this full time. So thank you very much.
Also, if you're a fan of cartoons, let me just tell you, you're missing out if you're not listening to What a Cartoon. Me and Bob and a guest each week go through a different cartoon in the same Talking Simpsons style, but open to all types of cartoons. We do anime like Cowboy Bebop. We do primetime sitcoms like King of the Hill. We do Saturday morning shows like Batman the Animated Series. We do current hits on Cartoon Network like Steven Universe and so much more. We have a ton of fun there and we have so many episodes already you can listen to and again if you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons on top of all the other simpsony goodies you get you'll also get a week early and ad free every episode of what a cartoon what a deal sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons or at the very least check out what a cartoon in your podcast device I, I like when Phil's Charlton Heston impersonation kind of leaks into Troy. It's hard not to because it's just so overly dramatic and ridiculous. I think Heston was in a similar situation as Troy McClure until he rebranded himself as a gun nut. Like until then, <laughs> right. he was, I mean, that tells you he's a dude who's not getting cast in shit because he's he's like, I guess I'll join the NRA since I'm not in movies anymore. <laughs> so and that's how we'll forever remember Charlton Heston. Other, uh, It goes from Planet of the Apes and then NRA gun. Bowling for Columbine. <laughs> yep, bowling for... He started no films in between those two. The DeLorean is the perfect car for a Hollywood Hasbro. Oh, yeah. Like for somebody team. who's clinging to a past when they uh-huh. were more successful. And it's really run down, too. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a, Clearly, he's been crashing a lot just because he's like, he just can't wear glasses. It, it, he just can't be a nerd. He refuses to. Mm-hmm. I also just love his... Wiggum sets him up for such mm-hmm. a great line. Like, <laughs> I'm seeing stars here. No, just one. I love the way just it's one. animated, too, because he, he clearly is calculating his reaction to line up with his statement yeah slowly turn his head at just the right time to have that photogenic like <laughs> that angle he's let down so badly right. troy works hard to be and this is the first time he's you know what also another cool thing about this joke is that it's the first time someone has replied to troy all these times he said you may remember me from and then a line and then he just keeps going because he's in a movie. This is the first time he said it in real life, and a person has to reply to them like, I don't remember you. He's losing his mojo. And there's a few times later where uh, people say, I remember you from this. <laughs> and it's great because uh, they had to work overtime. They had to come up with like 20 Troy McClure movies for people to remember him they by. They probably have a book at, yeah. in, in the writer's room of just all the fake movie names. <laughs> I want to know which ones they didn't use. They're so great because they all have to sound like movies that were made between 1968 mm-hmm. and 1978. Like <laughs> the, the kind of films that no one would make now. They're just like, well, this is a wacky, funky... Like Gladys, the groovy mule. Who would make a film about a mule? Like in the seventies, they just would. It's just try anything. And then like war epics that always have like blank on blank hill or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so it's also then we cut to the DMV, which is is great. That there's a lot of memories of Selma and Patty in this episode, like Jub Jub reminding us of that, and Patty's jealousy of Selma and wanting Selma to just be her live-in <laughs> person for the rest of her life until they're dead. I also just love Abe thinking they're both Marge. <laughs> Hello, <so> Marge. <laughs> Hello, Marge. Uh, then they get some some really spices up their life with the arrival of Troy. No. Oh. Hello, beautiful. John Law tells me I might need to wear these glasses. You? <laughs> Nonsense. You're Troy McClure. I remember you from such films as Meet Joe Blow and Give My Remains to Broadway. 
Stars like you don't need glasses. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. McClure, would you like to take off those glasses and read the top line? Uh, W7 star pound... Uh, look, Miss Bouvier. <laughs> As an actor, I depend on my remarkable looks. If you could find it in your heart to pass me, I'm sure I could find some way to repay you. Mubble. Say, by buying you dinner? That took a lot of class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing uh, we missed, and I, I noticed for the first time, we get a rare appearance of Hank Azaria playing Fat Tony for one sentence. I never, I didn't realize it was him until last night because he just he speaks for like two seconds. It does sound just slightly different than it, normal performance, but it, close. Yeah, it's really good. If he would have talked longer, I think I would have picked up on that way earlier, but man. I think it could be the last time Joe Montana did not play Fat Tony because he came back, or he'll be back uh, in a major scene in season eight for uh, the Homer vs. the 18th Amendment. And I think from that point on, they, they've said that Joe Montana has told them, like, if Fat Tony burps, call me. Like, I'm playing him at all times. But this uh, this one he was not invited to. For But they're only there for the, the, the wonderful mafia gag of sleeping with the fishes. Yes, I like how they twisted that. The season eight. 18 sets have are have the fat tony's head on them and joe mm-hmm. montana's on a few commentaries and he talks a lot about his restaurant oh <laughs> i wonder if they sell dingamagoo there which <laughs> is not a, to my research is not an actual dish well matt at least uh it's done in a nice way on the commentaries matt selman complains about his wife's business a lot <laughs> uh, it's just like come on matt selman comment down. it seems like a real money hole and <laughs> <laughs> uh, look he's a million he's a millionaire he's a tv millionaire what's what's the point of having those millions if you can't throw it on your spouse's side project yeah make her dreams come true <laughs> this then kind of falls into the thing you'll hear about in like people magazine or you, us weekly of like i went on a date with a movie star wow and it wasn't until this research that i realized that pimento grove is an olive garden parody like mm. pimento <laughs> to olive garden to grow okay yeah, i get it that's uh that shows you the also the level of money troy is going to spend on this uh dinner he owes her he's like I'll take you to Olive Garden. You're not going anywhere better than that. His picture is on the cat tour, though. Yeah, I got. Uh, that also shows you how bad this place is. Of like, they just have cats walking around that they need a cat door. <laughs> that just implies there are vermin there that the cat is killing. <laughs> Uh, it, it's also good that they set up the scene with Marge early in the episode to let you know that you have to be, for a woman to be attracted to Troy, they have to be at least in their mid-30s to remember the 70s whenever he was famous. Otherwise, you would not be attracted that's to him. That's why he's taking her to Olive Garden, because that's <laughs> the level of, that's how long it's been since he was successful. He can't afford probably a nicer place. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess Troy's got a good probably 20 years on Patty or Selma Yeah, I Marge. think so. Well, if she... Let's assume Maybe 15, some, I don't know. someone was in there, spending somewhere in their late teens in the 70s, like in 74, when it was Marge's uh, prom. So they were in their late teens then, and he was a teen heartthrob, which probably would peg him at like late 20s. So he's got to be close to, he's got to be mid 50s. I don't know. In that in that uh, Muppet movie, which was like 1977, he's, he's that leathery then. So That's I feel true. like he's in his 30s then. Maybe he just had a lot of work done or was tanning a lot and Could prematurely be. leathered. Like a George <laughs> Hamilton? Man, 
man, did George did, did he uh, die or turn into jerky or what? I think he's still with us. Man, I think so he's also on the Troy McClure level of just like you'd see him as a guest star and things. You're just like, what are you famous for? <laughs> that you have a lot of that you're very tan. He's when were you uh, famous for being remembered for <laughs> something at some point? Uh, and also, all the drawings on the wall are pretty much every guest star they ever had on the show up to that point. It was a great uh, way of going, like a tribute to themselves, I guess, or just being very meta. I saw one when I saw Tom Cruise on the wall. I was like, is that what he was going to look like in Brother from Another Planet? Uh, sorry, what's the name of that episode? I always forget. Yeah, how- Brother from Another Planet. Okay, yeah, I wonder if that was what he was. That character was going to look like. You know, yeah. in that episode, because- I don't know. It's so extreme. I feel like he would have said, "My nose isn't that big. Uh-huh. Calm this down." Oh, though it's a brother from the same planet. Anyway, I I think he would have objected to that drawing of him. That uh, I love the gag on the the classic like when an actor isn't being cast regularly and stuff. He's like, "I'm reading a lot of scripts," <laughs> and then it's the the turn is that he's just doing that because it's cheaper than movies. The one uh, joke about Selma's unattractiveness is uh, what I mentioned earlier is her saying, "I think I'm." getting repetitive uh, stress disorder from scratching my butt all day Mm -hmm. it's cute that she's trying to be funny and he just like is staring at her he has no idea how to interpret this i i think of that line whenever i uh, was had a boring day job and just like oh yeah i'm getting repetitive stress disorder from scratching my butt all day well there is another joke on her looks when he uh takes uh, puts on his glasses goes hey that just means he's being judgmental yes no i it's almost like troy mcclure is not a good person it's true yeah it's like he's very shallow he's quite shallow i'd say the the nicest thing about troy is that he's not this whole episode makes him innocently using her he he lucks into you getting into a scam marriage with her not from not from a real plan same with he has to be told by the actual evil person in his life his agent to be evil and like no use these people use them for this use them for that like yeah he's complicit in cruel behavior he's not necessarily instigating the cruel behavior the agent is sort of the devil on his shoulder in this episode Oh, for sure, as as I'm sure all agents are. Uh, so they head outside, and this is when Troy gets lucky. Well, thanks for holding up your end of the bargain. I had a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, me too. You need a ride somewhere? <laughs> hey, get a lot of this. Troy McClure and what looks like a date. Uh. Here you go, boys. A little something for page one. <laughs> Isn't this your sister-in-law on a date with Troy McClure? <laughs> Troy McClure? He's a washed-up movie star. He could be dating washed-up supermodels. Oh, I don't know. Maybe those rumors about his fish fetish weren't true after all. Uh, this changes everything. I'd pay to see him in a movie now. <laughs> <laughs> if only that were possible. <laughs> well, so Lenny and Carl are there to show you that works on mm-hmm. the American public. Like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's, he's into women. He's mm-hmm. living a heteronormative life. I, I want to see more of him now. He's not a weird freak. Even a recent version of that I remember was um, before Ellen Page came out, She there were like stories that were clearly placed by somebody on her team or somebody with an interest in making her look straight of just like, here's her hanging around with this guy. Are they dating? Like she, that was part of just the selling point. Cause if you're not, even if you aren't openly anything, if you're famous and you aren't seen in a heterosexual pairing, people start asking questions. They're like, huh, I've never heard about this person's wife or husband. Yeah. That plausible whatever. deniability. So at least mm-hmm. you're seen near people and they're like, Oh, well the straight's the default. So must, they must be dating <laughs> or something. 
something. If she's hanging around with this handsome man, it must be right. dates. And those know, are called she... headcanons in fandom, by the way. That's <laughs> real life celebrity headcanons. Uh, and, and Ellen Page even said after uh, at her big coming out thing that she was tired of lying by omission yeah. and that just letting people assume those things, like even even innocently. Uh, yeah, just how everybody reacts, like. Hmm. You know what? I kind of like him now. It's same of like if people saw, say, Elton John starting to date women, they'd be like, "Huh, I guess I like him now." Gonna like, buy some of these albums. I'll buy I'll finally buy these Elton John albums. Now I know he's singing about women. <laughs> I love whenever characters in The Simpsons project exactly what they're thinking and also what the point of the scene is. Yeah, like, way too transparent about mm-hmm. stuff. If only that were possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Carl recognizes that obviously Troy would never be in a movie now. He isn't in movies, and I also. Another great compliment to Phil Hartman's acting, which also Julie Kavner is so good in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she gets, she finally gets a lot to do. Uh, but Phil Hartman's acting on Troy at nothing, like it's zero. He's like, you want to ride or something? <laughs> yeah, it's a sign of, sign of Troy. Like, we don't we don't hear the down Troy yes. ever uh, until now. The completely disinterested Troy who doesn't want to do anything for it at all, but he's like, I guess I should drive you home. It's good. Yeah. It's very observational, uh, especially if you've been on bad days. Just the body language of uh, Troy and Selma. Like, she's way into it, and he's not. He's just, yeah. like, very bored and just kind of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's kind of heartbreaking, honestly. Uh, yeah. I've been on both sides of that, by the way. Well, then Selma doesn't realize it, too. Or these these are all these things that should just be warning signs to Selma. But she wants she wants to believe. She's so starstruck. I, I mean, that's, that's something that can easily fall into if you get even close to fame. Like glamour is a real thing like if you meet a famous person you just want to assume the best about them especially if you're near them you're like well this famous person must be really nice they must be my friend they're famous they're being nice to me i think i'm the most famous person a lot of my friends know and that's very sad (laughs) and uh i also love that uh, it's on page 10 which is a parody of the page six gossip column in the new york post the headline writer had clever one for troy but then for ramir wolfcastle it's just look who's drunk (laughs) That's all it is. Which one? What was Troy's headline? Troy, a little tenderness. Okay, that yes, very, very clever. The, the, the writer was at least trying, but they used <laughs> up all their cleverness. <laughs> Look who's drunk! That just shows you too, like the the cruelty of the gossip column that they're just like look who's drunk fuck him so then we get to hear from this uh, episode's other great guest Troy, my man, it's MacArthur Parker. <laughs> MacArthur Parker, the agent. MacArthur Parker, my agent? <laughs> Just checking in, my friend. So how's my favorite client? We haven't spoken in eight years. Yes. <laughs> so I saw the papers oh, today, Troy. <laughs> Looking good. That wholesome stuff really helps when I'm trying to find your work. You haven't found me work in 12 years. <laughs> oh, you. Uh, jury duty is work. And listen, <laughs> you keep getting seen in public with human females, and I can get you work in the entertainment industry. Hello, Selma Bouvier. It's Troy McClure. You may remember me from such dates as last night's dinner. <laughs> last night's dinner. Uh, so great. Yeah, so MacArthur Parker, obviously uh, a take on the song MacArthur Park, but played by Jeff Goldblum, who actually recorded all of his dialogue twice because the first time he was playing it very differently and talking much more, uh, talking much more slowly. And 
the final audio for the episode kept being like 28 minutes long. Wow. So they're like, no, we need you to talk fast. We have too many slow talking characters. Troy talks too slow. Selma talks too slow. You need to talk faster because apparently he was fine with it. He was happy to come in again. He's actually on the commentary for this episode. Oh, that's wow. right. Yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, it fits more with a peppy agent. He's just like, come on, guys. Hey, we're going. Yeah. He's real snappy. And I'm surprised yeah. that they would get that read from Jeff Goldblum, not exactly known for slow, methodical scenes. He's very manic a lot of times. He's given some, these are some Goldblumy ass reads. Yeah. And which is why I love them. I just, I love totally. like you and a uh, wife. <laughs> yeah. The Goldblum, I, I think The Simpsons were ahead of the curve on Goldblum as a comedy figure. Like this was 1996. He's about to there. I think Lost World isn't out just yet. I think that's 97. Yeah. But yep. he's, he's a, he's a movie star now. Like he's not, not the comedy figure we all know and love for the last like decade or so. Now he's a hunky grandpa. Yeah. He's everybody's sexy grandpa. That's and he reads uh, memes for you when you interview him. <laughs> I, I love how, innocently he's like what 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 are these mean what is uh what does stan mean what does he's very accepting though and that's what i find so comforting about him he has a very gentle presence (laughs) you're like you'll never judge me jeff goldblum i love you (laughs) yeah i i i hope to never find out any horrible things about him why would you put that out in the world sorry thanks the point of this episode (laughs) is you don't know celebrities guys i'm just trying to (laughs) also ironically that his character is named after macarthur park because weird al's parody of macarthur park was Jurassic Park a film he starred in? That's right. Yeah, actually, I was like, was was that in their mind too from the Alapalooza album from two I years wonder, ago? Who uh, knows? They're all nerds. Yeah, it was uh, it was Ken Keeler who came up with the MacArthur Parker name, mm, and but he's a musical dork. They work so well together too. The uh, McClure McClure MacArthur. They they're just so <laughs> funny bouncing off each other. You need an even more Hollywood guy with him. Though I would say, okay, if if he's his agent, but they haven't talked in. Uh, eight years like who's getting him all those infomercials that troy's in is troy booking those himself or who does he have a separate infomercial agent i'm guessing i wonder if those are all just old infomercials and he's just been uh, kind of in limbo it could have been filmed in like 1987 yeah <laughs> that's it but i do like his end of the bargain i can get you work in the inter- in the entertainment industry it's like yes yeah you're an agent as We're- opposed to <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean that's also great too that the agent is like if you do all the work, I'll finally get you jobs. Like, isn't that your job? It feels like they're venting as writers yeah. about their own experience with agents. He does specify human females. <laughs> human females. I, I also, let's talk about Troy's apartment too. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. It's like 60s space age that uh, is just rotting from the inside, but yeah. it's, it's, it's I want to live in that place. Mm-hmm. And it's a real place that you can live in. It's based on the chemosphere, which uh, was built in 1960 and is somewhere in the valley you can visit it still it's like an la landmark now wow can you go inside of it uh that i'm not so sure on, but okay. you'll definitely see it driving by and reading about it there are some real wild parties there in the 70s with with playboy playmates and famous people all doing the cocaine oh adorable <laughs> I, I but it's a great symbolic thing for troy that like it is stuck in time in the 70s just like him he's literally living in the past he can't escape it but it's all crumbling and he's doing his best his best to keep it going he's like i can't afford a new bean bag i gotta repair my own bean bag i love that great egg chair he has yeah. i really want one of those it would not look good in my crappy apartment with all my other crappy furniture but i just i want the egg chair and his like gigantic aquarium around him which you know, I didn't think about this until just now. The reason he would keep an aquarium on his own and have a constant upkeep of it would 
fit with his uh, sexual uh, pathology as well. I mean, we don't know what he does with the fish, but those fish seem too small to interact with a human penis. <laughs> what if he's just turned on by having them around and then the women he had sex with would just embellish the story and it became a thing mm. about him wanting to it's sleep with the fish? something he can look at while sleeping with women. My thought was much darker, but... <laughs> well, you know, his headcanon is that he's like a merman or something. Uh, well, I don't think he's ever... We'll get to it later in the episode, but I don't think he's ever actually had even attempted sexual relations with another human hmm. his his in his like honestly innocent naivete about it makes me think like has he ever touched the bathing suit area of another <laughs> he might person? be ace or something and just like going along with being a ladies man because it helps his career or oh, something yeah. he knew the deal he had to be a ladies man well and he started movies about sex like uh, the electric gigolos so. <laughs> that's true <laughs> he's done he's done simulated sex mm-hmm. uh so troy is back on the market <laughs> That's too funny. I can't remember when I've heard a funnier anecdote. <laughs> okay, now you tell one. Well, not much happens to me. But I once had dinner with a movie star, and it was the most wonderful night of my life. Really? Who was it, George Siegel? I hear he plays the banjo. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I ordered a Zima, not emphysema. Please, don't <laughs> smoke guy. in our restaurant. We don't serve contemporary California cuisine in your lungs. Everybody being so smug and awful is definitely... Uh, a smoker wrote this scene. Yes. Uh, I can tell you why, because in 1995, when this episode was written, that is when the smoking ban took place in California at most uh, workplaces indoors. Ah. So it was they were freshly reacting to all those scumbags who said, don't smoke inside. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I To that, I say, fuck you, smokers. Like, your smokers' rights, like, smoke outside or do something else. Like, I don't I, even like walking behind somebody smoking on the sidewalk. <laughs> I Now I'm, I am more accepting... When I can tell it's marijuana, then I'm like, well, at least you're getting high. They're contributing something to the community because you could get a contact high from exactly. That I'm yeah. saying like I can breathe in the smoke; it's good for all of us. Unlike just the tar and spent nicotine of that. Like uh, my, my secret favorite Simpsons character that is is not named and only seen once is the Zima, not emphysema guy. He's fine. He's so I, smug and, and proud of his how clever his line was. He was like saving that. I could tell. And that, that before she even lights it, just the movement of it, everyone's like, <gasps> like, it's all, it's almost a Chandler line or something. It's, yeah. it's so artificial. Smarmy. Yeah. Just sort of like, who do you think you are, bro? <laughs> well, an ugly is such a great name for a uh, fake LA eatery, which I feel like every time they go somewhere fancy, I think it's actually Capital City in this world. They, they travel yeah. over to Capital City. Uh, the Apes musical is in Capital City, so maybe Troy lives in Capital City, too? That would fit yeah. that he just moved there for local gigs. I mean, that is the one issue with this episode that, like, Troy doesn't live in Springfield like it's never been established he should he should probably just have the same place in like West Hollywood but yeah I mean they don't say in this episode that he does live but he has to because they visit him a lot he doesn't fly into date Selma he has no money maybe there's know? like a part of Springfield that's sort of like um, gentrified by rich people who want to mm. get away from the city proper that's where and Chester Lampwick lives and that's why they have like the local <laughs> suburban version of this ugly restaurant 
It's the mm. uh, it's sort of an expansion of the main franchise from Capital City. Mm. It's like Petaluma. I like you know this. where it's like that's where all the people who are too good to be in Marin go to. It's <laughs> oh like, man, I didn't know about these local politics. <laughs> oh, I can tell you all about Northern California politics. It's ridiculous and all terrible. <laughs> I also love Troy's line of like he's back from the gutter and he's brought someone with him. Right. Like he's giving them the headline, <laughs> right? And, and he is insulting Selma to her face, but she's she's enjoying Mr. Troy's wild ride too much to even notice. And by the way, George Siegel does play the banjo. He has three albums released. Of banjo That's, music, yeah, George Siegel again, another Troy esque character who was a star in the seventies. Who, though by ninety six he had transitioned into being a sitcom goofball, like he was at the time of this airing on the Taylioni sitcom The Naked Truth, which I'm sure we all remember. <laughs> I sadly do. <laughs> Me, I do. Yeah, yes. I, I like Taylioni. She's, she's fun. She's fun. Uh, but then by the next year he'll be on Just Shoot Me, and now he is playing the wacky grandpa on The Goldberg as well so i didn't really watch a lot of just shoot me but in doing research for this i realized what the pun of that show was supposed mm-hmm. to be and i felt really bad because i should have figured it out much earlier <laughs> just shoot me is a good show i mean it basically i think it's a, a, a great spiritual successor to wings really where when you watch it you're just like <laughs> you're not selling <laughs> you're not, you're not selling me on this well like wings it has a great cast with good writing it's a perfectly cromulent sitcom <laughs> i mean wendy malick is awesome like in i agree with that and uh, and uh, so is george siegel and david spade's fine there was also rebecca romaine stamos she had a good little run on there the reason i watched this shoot me though was before i mentioned mr show yeah me too i watched it for the mr show guest stars news radio also had mr show guest stars on it. it's all because they were run by bill brillstein gray so it's just all very uh, a lot of cronyism and incestuous mm. stuff there I remember one of the first articles I read about David Cross, like uh, an interview with him. He talked about how at the time, the thing he was most famous for was Just Shoot Me. And that the thing people would stop him in airports for was how his character on Just Shoot Me, who was pretending to be mentally deficient, would say, chicken pot, chicken pot, chicken pot, pot. I do remember that part. And he would get that repeated to him all the time in the airport. And it was driving That's him crazy. Unfortunate. I guarantee you still more people have seen that episode than all of Mr. Show. One thousand percent. I could go for Zima right now too, man. <laughs> I, you know, they still sell them in Japan. Bob, you should try some Zima while you're I in Japan. Choose not to. Oh. I'm drinking that Japanese whiskey. <laughs> I also like the smoking thing is just a nice sign that like Selma doesn't fit in this world. Like she does, she is not part of it. That uh, everyone's making her feel unwanted in it. But then they also get to tie into another very '90s thing, which is the attempt to rebrand cigars as the a cool power move for famous men. Like, I do remember my stepdad and mom uh, briefly buying cigars and being mm-hmm. into cigars in the mid 90s what the f- what ha- what happens <laughs> yeah cigar aficionado it really it just made it the cool thing they unlike cigarettes which weren't really able to rebrand as cool uh, in the 90s cigars did it my dad is is still a cigar addict like you i never think of him as a smoker but then when i think back to like no he smokes that cigar he, he smokes through one cigar like five times a day and he's just like oh, i just need a couple puffs and then he puts it away and that's then a like actually puffs. way worse than just smoking a pack of cigarettes a day it maybe it's like smoking five cigarettes at once <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also i wonder whose directive it was it feels like a mac Rainey directive they have a romantic scene with cigars and cigarettes and he has to be like they have to start hacking coughing so kids don't get the wrong message that smoking is good or fun 
But it's a good little gag. They have the brief thing of the Marge and Patty reacting to it. I wish there need to be more scenes of like the sisterhood of the Bouviers. I agree. I love this episode, but I feel like uh, thing like I said before, things had to get out of the way for the Apes musical. But Patty should have been a more important character in this. In fact, she should have been like what Marge was mm-hmm. in this uh, episode. I think the but, jealous sister that's kind of like not liking that all of her time is being co-opted by somebody who she doesn't trust anyway. Exactly, and just just being present more because she she is that now and she's there and she agrees with Marge but she's only there to agree with Marge. Marge is sort of the driving force in the opposition to the upcoming marriage. In a different episode Patty would be the one to learn the secret and to tell her about it but that would remove Homer and Marge from active participants in this episode and you know on on multiple commentaries also like in the um, Millhouse Divided the divorce episode of the Millhouses they said they regretted it but their feeling was that they made the Simpsons take a bigger role in it but they were still worried about like the show is called The Simpsons we need The Simpsons in this like once he starts dating Selma you don't really need Homer or Marge in this at all they're not important at all except for a Homer knowing the secret and that's it I think there's also an element of like if you don't people care about Marge more and take her with the audience I would imagine cares Mm -hmm. more about her perspective and doesn't wouldn't interpret it as being selfish or petty when she does voice her concerns. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it's like the viewer would handle that conflict coming from somebody who they care about and trust more so than the character who's just only been petty and selfish in every scene you've seen her in in previous episodes. So. I, uh, just, I, it sounds like a network note type of thing. <laughs> you know. Or a James L. Brooks type note. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they talk about it uh, some in the Vulture article as well, but just about how they, Bob has, has mentioned this many times to me too, of how they wanted to program this season like a season like season three. And part of that is having a Selma episode as well. So you need to get in Selma, Selma's life and her sadness and just be sad with Selma. I guess it's just established from the beginning that she is sad because in previous episodes like uh, Principal Charming, and Duff Gardens. Mm-hmm. We see a little of her home life and, and a little more of her work life to, to set up her desperation. But I think they trust viewers now to understand, like, this is Selma. You know her life is very mundane and her, and she's well, she's going to live with her sister forever. I feel like there's more trust there. If you're on board for a Troy McClure-focused episode, then they, I think they can safely assume you know what the deal is with Patty and Selma as well. It's a great little line. Selma calls it his, his latest movie. Yeah. In the start of the episode, they say 1977 film. So he has not starred in a film since 1977. Does that actually predate any Muppet movie? The Muppet movie, I believe, was 77 or 78. Okay, got it. Yes, yeah. yeah, Which, excuse me, guys, you're not real Muppet fans (laughs) on the Simpsons writer's staff to not know the year. They look down upon those Muppets. That's not Harvard. I mean, it did feel like a little bit of contempt in in that depiction of the Muppets. Yeah, Yeah. the Muppets aren't for them. I, uh, whenever I feel like staunchly defending the Muppets. I remember The Onion had a great uh, parody article called You Couldn't Possibly Understand the Muppets on the Level I Do. <laughs> Uh, but so yes, they they head to the drive-in, which drive-ins barely, at least in my town, drive-ins barely existed in the '90s. I went to one drive-in once, and it was sparsely attended and almost as bad as the one in Springfield. They all looked about this bad in the '90s. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still some in like some parts of rural Ohio, but um, 
I, I associate them more with the like the 80s for some reason. I mean, they were still closing down, but I, I believe I saw my first movie at a drive-in, the first one I can remember, and that was Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, that's so an I saw awesome Spaceballs. movie to see yeah. I only saw Hot Shots Part 2. That mm. was the one I saw. And I could barely hear half of it because, like, oh, you just tune it to your radio to this station and you'll hear mm. the, the sound. And I was like, it's, it was cutting in and out. I It was so weird that there's a scene in the movie where Lloyd Bridges' character barfs out his teeth All right. into a bag and then is looking around for them and but there was no sound for that so I was like this is this is extra strange this bit here ours had the uh, speaker you hang on your car that is preferred but this was that's how cheap this drive-in was they didn't even have that man uh, but so actually we talk about them making fun of Selma's looks this this scene uh, kind of mocks her looks a bit too but I I feel so sad for her that she doesn't realize Troy is is just repeating the lines right to her face Oh, my head is swimming. That's not cigars, baby. That's love. No longer canst I conceal my love, my wimpled turtle dove. Oh, Princess Fair, wilt thou grant me thine dainty hoof in marriage? Oh, Troy, I will. Just a second, baby. I, I think I, I want to believe they're being more sensitive about Selma because they want you to care about her. And I think this is more Troy being insensitive yeah. as we see him spraying her mouth. I love the, t- yeah. the take, the fake out part. <laughs> the animation it around. is so good. But I think it's like, oh, this would be a great way to propose if I say the same lines as this movie I'm in. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't realize he's calling her like a, a swine and her, her wimp. like her wimp. dainty hoof. Yeah, her dainty hoof. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's, I think that's Troy realizing like, I don't know how to ask someone to marry me. I need to see this scene to remember the lines just to say it. He's not good at going off script, period. Yeah. And I love that uh, Selma's pause fits in so that she is still lined up with the name. (laughs) She, she, She waits for the longer name to be said by uh, Miss Piggy there. It's a very well done shot with their silhouettes in the foreground in the Muppet movie in the background through the car windshield. It's done very well. Uh, it's beautiful. So then we head over to an Entertainment Tonight pastiche. Tonight, 70s leading man Troy McClure has finally met the woman of his dreams. We may remember... Woman? Huh. Huh. Okay. <laughs> we may remember Troy from such films as The Verdict Was Mail Fraud and Leper in the Backfield. <laughs> With his high-profile romance, Troy's managed to shake the rumors that have dogged his career. And with news of his upcoming wedding, rumor has it he's up for some very choice roles. Looks like you were wrong when you called him a washed-up deviant, eh, Lori? (laughs) All right. She's got a great look of discomfort on her face. So many good fake laughs in this scene. All right. (laughs) I I love it, like, ha, 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 ha. Rumors. Yeah, it was great. I just... I also love the acting on Hank there. Just like what woman? Oh. All right, it's yeah. I like I like how he breaks out of that like phoniness immediately to question the line. I like the writing that it makes Troy more likable. That he stumbles into this as opposed to the more like careful image management of a say a Kevin Spacey type had in the 1990s. Oof, in yeah, I mean he is following the instructions of his agent, but he's sort of like clueless as to how how this all the stuff will line up for him after that. Mm-hmm. And also that the uh, the leper in the backfield is one of the first times we've ever seen a movie named by uh, by Troy. Yeah, something we remember. Even even though he says like calling all Quakers. Technically, we 
hear that movie, but we do not see it. It's like, but irrigation can save you, Chief Smiling Bear. It doesn't count because it's Dan Castellaneta, too, doing his ah, voice. That's so. true. Uh-huh. <laughs> even, even worse then, yeah, which I just realized what's so funny about that scene, which is that the Quakers would teach irrigation to, to the Native to the Americans. natives, not them teaching it to. Oh, that's I guess hilarious. I didn't think of that at the time, but yeah, uh, we got to redo that episode. Let's uh, go back. We're gonna redo them guy. all once we get to season twelve. <laughs> Selma moves in. Welcome to your new home, baby. It's fantastic. Garbage collection is Monday. If you want to throw out a box, you have to cut it up. It's so modern. It's ultra modern. Like living in the not-too-distant future. Now, you make yourself at home here. I'll be sleeping downstairs in the visitor's center. Ha! Okay. (laughs) I'll see you in the morning and get ready for tennis. It comes on at 10. (laughs) Troy, Mac Parker. Ever hear of Planet of the Apes? Uh, the movie or the planet? The brand-new multi-million-dollar musical. And you are starring as the human... It's the part I was born to play, baby. So every time I hear that, get ready for tennis, it comes on a 10. I know it's coming, but it's such a gut punch to me every time. I, I just love the misdirect there. Yeah, it's it, tennis playing is the thing you expect for a fancy celebrity. They're just like, oh, it's how I stay healthy, play tennis every day. Good times. And his house has a visitor center. Yes, yeah, which he will stay in. I That, again, should have been another red flag to Selma, but maybe she's telling herself, like, he's, he's just traditional. He doesn't want to sleep in the same bed until he's, we're married. He's a gentleman. And there are three posters in Troy. Uh, room or his house that you can see if you pause for like a second uh, Astro Heist on Gemini 3 <laughs> Incident at Noon and My Darling Beefeater all barely legible but someone thought up those titles and someone drew them into the background so that is great I oh man I, I also love Troy's chair is great I kind of want that egg chair I love those egg chairs it's, it looks uncomfortable to be in but I, I want to be in that kind of cocoon I don't know yeah it feels very uh, comforting I'm, yeah. I'm safe in here and it's a great panorama shot of his apartment too I love that which and another thing that lets you know that this is written by Simpson nerds they're the only people who would remember Jub Jub nobody would care to mention Jub Jub in this episode he's everywhere you want to be I think yeah, I was about to <laughs> yeah. say I love that line because it's like a clear Clearly, he can't do something that isn't written by someone else, like either a script or a commercial yeah. or something. <laughs> he and feels nothing. Like, he just has to be like, well, what did a commercial say? And Jub Jub is making the sound of a sheep because that's uh, iguanas don't make noises. Oh. So they went through a library of animal sounds until they found that one that was funny and conceivably lizard like. Wow. Yeah. I did not know. I've like never owned full of a exotic lizard. pet trivia. <laughs> well, it's from the commentary. So you can, okay. you can think Bill Oakley. <laughs> All right, the Planet of the Apes. Let's talk about yes, this. Yes, I, I wrote in my notes, I don't need notes for this because I, I, I've seen this a billion times, but also this entire segment uh, from the phone call to the end of the musical was on Songs in the Key of Springfield, the first Simpsons uh, TV song CD. So yeah. I've heard that and the entire song probably like 200 times, 300 times. <laughs> easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, it's... Uh, and also, I learned a ton about this as well. I will once more... Throw people to the Vulture Oral History that was published in 2017 when it was the uh, right after the 20th anniversary of this episode. And they dig super into it with not just the writers, uh, Weinstein, Oakley, David Cohen, uh, and and the rest, but also with Alf Clausen. They interview Alf Clausen about it, which is, might be might have been right before he was fired. Oh, boy. I think, I think so. And we're talking about how they were drawing back to season three, and technically, A Streetcar Named Marge is a season three production episode. Wow, yeah. And I feel like there's a lot in common with this, including getting the ending completely wrong and applying a musical to a thing that should not have one <laughs> with a very strange tone. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think they're ripping themselves off, but I feel like I love those choices. Mm -hmm. But this also fits with what were the mega musicals of the 90s. What were they? Well, this kind of calls back to like Sunset Boulevard, which Ah. was based on a movie. Also, the I mean, it's it's just in general, very Andrew Lloyd Webber with very expensive and with one major prop in it. In the case of Phantom of the Opera, it's the chandelier. In the case of this, it's the uh, Statue of Liberty which pops up yes and but yeah it's it's great that it completely misses the point and though still to this day musicals you can get financing for a broadway musical if you base it on something people have heard of way sooner than if you try to make something new whenever i am near whatever place in sf has all the musicals that mm. theater it's like in Bumtown or like <laughs> the junkie district the orpheum is right on the edge of it yeah, yeah. I, it's it's like oh i'm gonna see this we actually the three of us were in one of those places to see mystery science theater live we were and it was a great time and then when you come out you're like whoa i forgot <laughs> That's when I'm the, the wackadoo people start mulling around and yelling stuff at yeah yeah we're trying to just have a conversation by the tour bus and then several people come up like yeah what's going on so can i have some money like no but i I try not to go to that area very often but whenever i do i walk by the orpheum the orpheum is that Uh, what it's called and it's always like shrek the musical or matilda the musical it's always like something you know the musical Mm -hmm. so yeah one of the most recent ones is the spongebob musical which oh people say hollywood is bankrupt yeah look at like obviously no musical gets made anymore if it's not an ip of some sort i think every industry is now bankrupt i mean if you're walking down if you're some hick walking down broadway you're just like whoa the the spongebob musical i'm gonna see that i love legitimate theater normally i think (laughs) musicals are a little fruity (laughs) but i'll see this I will say I watched a performance of a song from the Spongebob musical and Spongebob, the guy they cast as Spongebob as a human Spongebob is perfect. Like I'm like, holy shit! I think I have seen that. He, uh, I have heard from uh, well, not friend of this show, but friend of me, Louis Peitzman, uh, who's like the entertainment editor for BuzzFeed and who lives in New York and sees every show. He says SpongeBob is for real good. Like hmm. he's that's that's what he says. I'll never see it. <laughs> uh, but all right, let's hear Planet of the Apes Part One. Help the humans about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <gasps> he can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk. I can sing. Oh, help me, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're all so lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. This play has everything. Oh, I love legitimate theater. The show just reminding you The Simpsons is still uh, a thing. Yeah, <laughs> the family still exists. They came to this. You're still watching The Simpsons in this. It's it's a little indulgent, but I love it. Apparently, uh, it was Oakley Weinstein who put in the Rock Me Amadeus parody. Mm. They said that it came to them because it was a running joke with them, and also with the their friend news radio creator Paul Sims. Oh, where they would constantly say to each other like "Thank you, Amadeus," or, but in the Rock Me Amadeus line style. And so then when they 
they realized Dr. Zeus and Amadeus sounded similar, they they just had Perfect. to go for it. And I had not seen Planet of the Apes at this, at this time, but I still thought it was funny. Uh, I loved Planet of the Apes. I had seen it probably because in The Simpsons they had done a previous reference to it. And I was like, well, I need to see this movie so I understand references. Is that the Planet of the Donuts uh, parody? Yeah. Okay. No, that's actually after this. Oh, okay. Uh, but the, or I just liked seeing monkey people and I was like, well, I got to see this movie. Uh, it it's uh, it's quite a great movie. Guess what, guys? It's I also in the oral history they uh, Dana Gould had nothing to do with this, but he is both a Simpsons writer and a Planet of the Apes mega fan. Oh yeah. In the oral history, he says like we thought of doing one in the Ben Stiller show, and then we didn't. And then when I saw this, I'm like, I'm glad we didn't because we would have <laughs> been worse than the Simpsons. Like probably been harder to pull off in like live action sketch comedy mm-hmm. versus an animated setting. Yeah, I mean you're you're asking performers on a sketch budget to put all those masks on right. and costumes it's not comfortable it's going to look bad it's going to be hard to act and communicate through them yeah like i feel like kevin murphy um, back to mystery science theater again <laughs> there's only so much he could do in all of that makeup and i kind of felt bad for him because it's just like man you're really trying under there but it, i can barely understand you yeah it was i really appreciate that he not only would became a puppeteer and was just holding up a puppet most days but when he wasn't holding up a puppet he had to have extensive ape makeup up on every day it uh he, he really earned kevin murphy earned those bucks definitely and uh so then let's get to part Very two good. of the song which <laughs> i call the chimpanzee to z line of the show right yes i believe that's david uh, s cohen who wrote yes. that line that's the joke i hate every ape i see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee no you'll It was Earth all along. <laughs> you finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zan. <laughs> It's great to be back. It's, uh, God, it's all so beautiful. Yeah. I also I, like that they avoided the obvious parodies, like Damn You All to Hell, You Blew It Up, You Bastards. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the simplicity. Oh, my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. Yeah. But then he's happy. He's like, oh, you made a monkey out of me. Well, it's like a more crowd-pleasing rewrite of That's, Planet of the Apes. Oh, I didn't think of it that way, yeah. Just like, <laughs> the original ending was a downer, man. It leaves the people happy. He now learns to love Dr. Zayas by learning the truth, which <laughs> is not the feeling he is left with, but they have the final, it is a complete mystery of the point to have the final line be like I love you Dr. Zayas <laughs> that's how you appeal to the suburb people who don't go to plays and want to be challenged you know mm-hmm. they just want to be, everything to be happily ever after they want to be like well I half remember the planet of the apes and I want to feel happier at the end of this I <laughs> I also like if you imagine that this is say, a two hour or even over two hour mm. musical that when you get to the end they speed to the end so fast they're like <laughs> uh, he hates every monkey he walks away oh my god I was wrong. They just zip right through it. It's just, it's uh, hilarious. It's good set design too. I love that Statue of Liberty in the background. It's, there's so much reality to, it all works within the reality they built. Like the set looks real. The 
costumes look real. It does. Uh, Oakley pointed out in the oral history too, just like it has to be the only time somebody did something well in the world of the Simpsons that like everybody makes crappy things when they try to make things in the Simpsons world. Yeah. I mean, the streetcar musical, uh, the songs are catchy, but it is a crappy musical. But I think on the commentary, Oakley was like, I would watch this musical. I, yeah. I want them to make this. Uh, it's shocking. I wonder if it's poppy, how popular this scene is, is why they never have done a play in the apes musical. They're like, well, it's just a joke on the Simpsons. I mean, if, if any time is a good time to cash in on nostalgia for the Simpsons, it's now. So mm-hmm. make that musical. It could be the next Hamilton. Fox owns the rights to both. Go, for, go. For, I say go with it. <laughs> Uh, so Troy is back you can see that his house has been renovated it looks good enough to have the family the Simpsons family arrive and now after all the years of watching educational videos with Troy McClure in it Lisa and Bart finally meet him (laughs) my good looks paid for that pool and my talent (laughs) filled it with water hi I'm Troy McClure your future uncle hi I remember you from such film strips as locker room towel fight the blinding of Larry Driscoll you know, I was one of the first to speak out against horseplay. Uh-huh. Remember when we were kids, we used to dream about our ideal husbands. Who knew the dream would come true for one of us? Oh, come on. Guess which one? I know. I know. It's Thelma, right? March can't even respond to that because she knows it's true. Yes. <laughs> She's looking off into the distance. Just the blank stare of Marge as he turns. And then it's even funnier, the reveal of Homer. <laughs> you know that she turned to look at Homer, who has probably not looked more is looked more attractive than he does in that interview <laughs> at that moment. I I also love her outfit. Uh her it's probably because we were just doing season one of Futurama, but Selma's bathing suit with a diamond cut out in the center uh, is yeah. the same one Leela wears in the season she's one. dressed like Marilyn Monroe at some point in this episode too mm-hmm. well yeah with her uh with her uh Kerchief. hair wrap yeah and everything but this I I also love the implication that Troy did all those educational films because he thinks he's being like making a political statement <laughs> like that he's speaking out against something either Lisa is already bored with him or she's looking down upon his bad uh his bad uh I don't know community service yeah like he's, he's working yeah that he wants to be awarded for speaking out against horseplay yeah. <laughs> or that she would think that no one is, she feels sad for him maybe that he thinks he's the first person to speak out against horseplay yeah which has probably been happening since as long as horseplay has existed and children yeah <laughs> in the original script they had a full bachelor party but they just had to cut straight to the drinking at Moe's. yeah it's a good idea homer but they've already made some movies about world war ii <laughs> oh hell well, what about Dracula? Homer, I'm really touched you invited me out on the town. You're gonna be a four-star brother-in-law. Troy, <laughs> buddy, I gotta know. What's a great guy like you want to marry a guy like Selma? Come here, Homer. Okay. I'll let you in on a little secret. Some good drunk rhubarb from Phil Hartman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That also feels like it's more Homer judging her looks, but definitely him calling Selma a guy. Yes. uh, That's a little mean to her as well. Eh, but it's that's Homer. He hates he hates Selma. He's, he, I'm surprised he's uh, he's not too drunk to realize it's a bad thing that Selma is getting her uh, heart broken or no, the, yeah, the marriage it, is, a, is a sham. It's it's a great storytelling moment where he looks up and it's like, oh, Homer's all sober now. 
yeah. he's gonna tell the secret. Now this will have dramatic consequences. Like, no, none at all. Uh, we cut straight to the botanical gardens where it's the where it's the wedding. And I wonder if it is that Lovejoy was told to call Troy fabulous, or that Lovejoy just likes Troy McClure. He's like the fabulous Troy McClure. Hmm. Either way, it's beautiful. It's just him the way, and also his line of like, "You may now kiss." each other yeah and that he identifies her as bouvier to williger bouvier another acknowledgement of continuity yeah. on this show by the simpsons nerds wait how does that work when it's her maiden name and then hyphenated maiden name with i always name? thought that it was i mean that, that's the joke but it is <laughs> when people get divorced they just revert back to their maiden names if they want to do that they don't go by three names of like the yeah. sequence of which you were married right. there's some joke later where there's a lot of other names in there like huts and the hasapima pedaline mm. i forget when that happens that's in much poo about nothing oh. when they try to sell to her marrying him for citizenship and she's like uh, next time i'm gonna marry for love and maybe once more for money <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, the, the wedding seems to be going great. And to you, Selma Bouvier Terwilliger Bouvier, <laughs> take the fabulous Troy McClure to be your lawful wedded husband. I already told you, yes. <laughs> if anyone here knows why this couple should not be wed in holy matrimony, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Hey! I now pronounce you <laughs> husband and wife. You may now kiss each other. <laughs> this is the best day of my life. It's a good day for me too, baby. Now smile. <laughs> We're going to be on every newsstand in the country. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy uh, Troy while kissing Selma, looking around to make sure people are seeing this. Mm -hmm. Like, you see, huh? He's looking at get look at look at this. He's only going to kiss her so many times. He's got to like well, people better be seeing this when I'm doing it. But he's also too cheap to rent a limo. They just drive off in his DeLorean, which I love too. And uh, Homer's Homer is humming a uh, copyright free version of Rock and Roll <laughs> Part Two. That's true. It's not quite the song. I mean, you get what it's supposed to be, but I, I had a feeling they'd have to pay just to have him hum that. Yeah, probably a lot of money in 1996. It's funnier that it is off because yeah. he doesn't even remember that song correctly. Mm -hmm. it's I how we all remember songs. I looked it up and it's way off but the hey should tell you what it is at the end and uh ironically i guess it is this is a year before gary glitter's own fall from grace uh in troy-like fashion though mm. his is uh an extreme example of oh that, yeah say. he's currently in jail thankfully at least like it at least he got punished unlike a lot of other people just like well your career's over but me eh, no jail. that's your punishment go be rich more work. Yeah. uh so then homer steals the candy bride and groom this is just a quick gag but i just love this so much liquidation egg marge the candy bride and groom from the wedding cake pointy that scene is always so upsetting to me. Does the, the sound effect work? <laughs> and like the Lego chewing on a Lego noise followed by that oh. wet and like, plop sound. Watching the two things work his way down, uh, work their uh. way down his throat. Actually, I think, I mean, the joke is they're plastic, right? Just based yes. on the sounds you hear. It's pretty cruel of Homer to steal the bride and groom off of the cake anyway. You're supposed to keep those, right? Yes. You guys, yeah, you guys, I've, I've still got them in my freezer right with, now. With a piece of the cake, right? Is that well, how it works? yeah, just the cake. Yeah, okay. But, well, we were non-traditional in that our... 
Uh, me and my husband, our thing were amiibos anyway. So uh, mm-hmm. you never they, want to freeze an amiibo. No, no way. I knew gay marriage to tear this country apart. <laughs> all of our all of our traditions Stop are gone. Stop taking now. our amiibos. <laughs> Instead of a man and woman, it's a Mario and a Bowser amiibo. Your I'll little ship it. your little <laughs> avatars need to live in the freezer, or yeah. your marriage will not work. That's true. That's where Homer put uh, Homer yeah. Marge put theirs. So yeah, uh, happen parties. when the power gets knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god. Uh, but yeah, I also I love in that gag. Not only mm, pointy is one of my favorite. Yeah. But that Marge, with no reaction, watches Homer almost choke to death while eating what she must know is plastic. <laughs> and this isn't going to end well for Homer, too, either. He has a very bad uh, passing of those guys. They're, those things are not going to break down. Or they just cut it out of him and yeah. he has to require surgery. But either way... It's just another day in the life of being married to Homer Simpson, though. <laughs> at, so. at a certain point, there, there you have to like judge what you yell at Homer for. And this is a minor infraction compared yeah, to what... battles. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. And, <laughs> and also the, the gag that Homer's just like, oh yeah, he said, you told me a funny story. And that's how Marge finds out about it. And this is the first time in continuity we've seen that, like, oh, the Simpsons can see the eyeballs of somebody and it lights up a room. <laughs> Such a good gag. That is nice. I like them acknowledging that. Yeah, it's it's great. Now, instead of eyeballs, people say that about, like, could you turn off your iPhone? I'm trying to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, or, or go to another room or something. Uh, so... Then we get Troy on his wedding night, which, man, that sign gag about Cher with a contest winner, I feel so bad for Cher. Yeah, they're picking on Cher a lot in the mid-90s. What did Cher ever do to you? Yeah, she's more famous than so many other people from the 90s and the 70s. She's pretty good on Twitter, too. I don't know if you've seen her Twitter account. Yeah, I wonder, with any celebrity Twitter, I'm like, okay, who's really handling this? It seems like an old lady's doing it. It it does, yes. With no no social media training. I believe she's about to star in the next Mamma Mia. She's going to be in Mamma Mia Part 2. But she's flying on a helicopter, and it's a very weird, surreal Metal Gear Solid moment from the look of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so odd. Uh, but okay, yes, it's Troy's wedding night. This better be important. It's my wedding night. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> hey, sleep is for has-beens, my friend. And uh, you're about to have a very crowded schedule. This marriage scam is paying off big time. Phone for you. D. McSee. Troy, darling, <laughs> come to bed. I want to see the Troy McClure I remember from such films as Make Out King of Montana. And the electric gigolo. (laughs) Yeah, in a minute, darling. Well, she may be helping my career, but she's starting to cramp my style. Oh, who cares? The offers are rolling in. Paramount wants you for a buddy comedy with uh, Rob Lowe and Hugh Grant. (laughs) Those sick freaks! (laughs) Okay, then get this. I think they want you to play McBain's sidekick in... Brace yourself, the new McBain movie. McBain's sidekick? Hot damn! I'm going to SeaWorld! <laughs> so I have to assume that Troy didn't have sex with Selma on their wedding night. Then I don't think so. I mean, uh, it's implied in the later scene that they have not consummated yet. Yes, it's true. Which should mean they should just be able to annul that marriage instead of getting a divorce. Is but, that how it uh, still works? Uh, I mean, I feel like that's how we have bullshit old marriage laws. So mm. I would think that still is it. But if you say you haven't consummated, I don't know. I've never, I've never tried to annul a marriage before. Those sick freaks. Those sick freaks. <laughs> that's uh, another reference to dudes who had a fall from grace for sex things uh and then they bounce back yeah they both bounce back mightily like hugh grant he even he just had to get like embarrassed in some interviews and then he was straight back into movies he's like yep i'm in movies (laughs) he was basically playing the same character in interviews that he plays in every movie like the flustered gentleman like oh oh dear oh my oh Mm." which i mean in the grand scheme of things like it was it was embarrassing for him obviously and 
you know, he's cheating on his partner, the uh, famous person, Liz Hurley. But I mean, he's paying a sex worker to do their job. Like that's yeah. yeah I, I don't I don't judge that as much as say filming sex with a sixteen year old, which is what Rob Lowe did. True. I mean, yes. I mean, if if Liz Hurley said, "Yeah, go for it. Have sex with sex workers. It's cool with me." It would have been all fine. But mm. I, apparently, it wasn't. No, it was not. <laughs> but uh, but though, no, I mean, the the Rob Lowe thing. It's uh, it's something you just kind of forget. You're like, oh yeah, he had sex with a 16 year old, and it was filmed. Like that was fucked up. It was, I believe his defense was he didn't know her age. She was in a bar. Yeah, she was in a bar. Uh, so he assumed that she was carded or something like and that. And also, as it would turn out that like it's not that wasn't that was the age of consent in Georgia where it happened. So uh. he didn't even get in like legal trouble for that. And now, and uh, I remember there was a. They did his uh, celebrity roast a few years ago, and people were joking about how like uncomfortable it was them doing his statutory rape jokes oh, in God. front of his family at it. it uh, eh, not the best, but I, I I just love that reading on those sick freaks. It's getting a little Hestony again. <laughs> yeah, very very Hestony. Oh yeah, this is the first time I really heard it as a joke. But he's like, I got an offer from McBain about the new McBain movie. Yeah. Like, Yes, of course, the, the offer is a McBain movie. It's about McBain. Also, just say Rainier Wolfcastle. They they could finally, they the McBain ban was over. They could finally start saying McBain again on the show. They had been told briefly not to because it had been a, uh, it was a B movie called McBain. And they're like, well, we don't want to advertise this. And even though the writers were like, we wrote McBain before this movie was existed. They're like, nope. Nobody remembers what that movie was. It's, it doesn't even matter. It's basically like a beam. Riff Tracks riffed it uh, like really? five years ago, maybe six years ago. It's 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 a bad action movie with, I believe, uh, Christopher Walken or James mm. Woods. I forget who's in it. Somebody like that. Yeah, but I want to say that the uh, McBain 4 Fatal Discharge <laughs> is, uh, I think they might be riffing on True Lies because Arnold had a very uh, like non-traditional sidekick in that movie in Tom Arnold. Mm-hmm. So maybe Troy could be pulling that off i think it also fit with how like the batman movies like if you got to say i'm gonna be in the next batman movie i'm gonna be a a villain in the next batman movie it was a big moment for your career as well Uh, or getting to be in the new Die Hard movie a sidekick in that things things of that nature i also love that how hollywood selma has gotten that she's wearing the the marilyn monroe or just like the famous person going out outfit of the glasses the long cigarette holder she's she's of the hollywood before troy mcclure was in hollywood yeah <laughs> yeah, and so that's when she gets to she hears the bad news. Oh, I get it. My sisters have come down with a case of the green-eyed gazungas. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You're stuck in a menial job you'll be doing ten years after you die. And you're tied down to a man who'd have to bathe to be a slime. Selma, Troy doesn't love you at all. He's only using you to squelch the rumors about his bizarre personal life and further his career. You don't know what you're talking about. I have to go now and see Troy. I I like that she has to be pushed to do it. Marge didn't want... Marge wanted to gently yeah. push Selma away from it. She had to be insulted when, first. Yeah, she had to be insulted. I, I also think of that, uh, when I think of bad jobs, I think of like doing 10 years after you after die. You die. Like, oh boy. You die inside first before you die on the outside. Yeah, though, what job is that stable that you'd have for 10 years after you die? Uh, in the 90s, they were different times. Yeah. Uh, then we get a cute little variety headline about uh, Troy ankling obscurity, which means, uh, in variety terms, ankle means leave behind. Mm, okay. That's... Uh, 
there's Bafo Bo. Like I, the this is so fucking inside this episode with all of the with all of the lingo. It reminds me of like the season one episode of The Critic where it was like a variety gag every episode or every <laughs> every, every act. act yeah. Uh, but yeah. So then Selma confronts him. Is this a sham marriage? Sure, baby. Is that a problema? <laughs> you married me just to help your career. You make it sound so sordid. Look, don't we have a good time together? Yes, but... Don't you have everything you ever wanted here? Money, security, a big hot flat rock for Jub-Jub? <laughs> but don't you love me? Sure I do. Like I love Fresca. Isn't that enough? <laughs> the only difference between our marriage and anyone else's is we know ours is a sham. Are you gay? Gay? I wish. If I were gay, there'd be no problem. No, what I have is a romantic abnormality. One so unbelievable that it must be hidden from the public at all costs. You see... Stop! You're asking me to live a lie. I don't know if I can do that. It's remarkably easy. (laughs) Just smile for the cameras and enjoy Mr. Troy's wild ride. You'll go to the right parties, meet the right people. Sure, you'll be a sham wife, but you'll be the envy of every other sham wife in town. (laughs) So what do you say, baby? Tell me again about Mr. Troy's wild ride. He steps into the shadows to talk about his romantic abnormality. I like that. Yeah. Like, I've got to make this dramatic. But I think this is the first time, and I searched, I think it's the first time the Simpsons used the word gay mm. in the history of the show. This is the very first time. It will happen a lot in the episode with John Waters, but it's the very first time somebody says gay to mean a gay person. Not uh, not gay as in, like, it's a pun, you know, you're kind of hinting at it. Yeah. Like saying, are you gay? I can remember one other time. Ooh, is there one other time? Yeah, okay. it was... Uh, I searched Frankie Yak. I, I, it was when Homer told Lisa how to turn down Ralph. Like, six simple words. I'm I, not I, gay, but I'll learn. That's right. Okay. Boy, <laughs> I guess I was wrong about that. But <laughs> I guess it, I guess it's um, uh, a different take on it, though, because uh, Selma is not, like, grossed out or anything. She just is like, well, you're probably gay if you... Don't say you love your wife, you know? Yeah, There's that, something going on. I mean, it was the first, it, was the, it would be the first thing you would go to like, are you gay? Mm-hmm. Now, that was more explicitly the the other time is just a joke about like, eh, gay, haha, but yeah. this is more for saying like she can understand the idea of a beard, of being the fake wife of a gay man. Like, yeah. I but, guess it's the first time gay, uh, the word gay is not used as a joke. Like, as yeah. like, see, we said gay, haha. I can't think of any other time they actually said the word gay on the show than that one. But, uh, but the, apparently if he was gay, there'd be no problem. I don't yeah. know if that's so true in 1996. There were not, I mean, the stars that were out were like obviously out. Like, no, that's... Javi <laughs> No, I mean, that's hilarious to yeah. me, the, the gag of like, if I was gay, there'd be no problem. I think the idea is that yeah there's a system in place to help them mm. kind of have plausible deniability but yeah. not for the fish fuckers to, right that's a little too far <laughs> yeah. people pretend they'll just turn a blind eye to being gay in Hollywood but yeah that's why there'd be no problem for him not that the world doesn't have a problem yeah, with a gay he'd still have to be in the closet he yeah. just it would at least the, the Hollywood would it would roll with the lie you know yeah and sadly I mean that is still the case of like that yeah. uh, who knows how many actors are in the closet now but it's uh, the out actors that you know about they they get cast and stuff they still star in things but are they starring in the big marvel movies are they playing the like mega blockbuster roles like not really yeah i don't really know what kristen stewart's up to since she came out she's kind of on the ellen page thing of just like starring in artsy movies which are the types they want to be in like i'm not saying that kristen stewart or ellen page 
isn't in big blockbusters anymore yeah. because they're because they came out. Kristen but. Stewart has enough money for like forty five lifetimes after yeah. five Twilight she movies. Put in her time. Yeah, <laughs> and she's having fun. She just wants having to have fun, fun and be like a baby butch, staring like, at Kate Blanchett's it. boobs. <laughs> that one photo. <laughs> I love Living that. The dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also love like nobody loves Fresca, right? I've never drank a Fresca in my life, but it's pretty it's low on the Troy esque, where it's fashionable to hate on it for mm-hmm. as a bougie thing. I think. I mean, what it, it's it's just seltzer water, right? Or is with it, like a like a drop of uh, a drop of like flavor in it. Right. Uh, someone said a joke on Twitter that Lacroix is like it tastes like someone is vaguely saying the name of a fruit in another room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I wish I wish I knew who said that because I uh, I think about that all the time. Oh, uh, that's great! It, I gotta give it to Troy. He's given a really convincing pitch to be a sham wife. Yeah, like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you can tell when he's turning on his like infomercial educational mm-hmm. film personality when he needs mm-hmm. to sell somebody something. Yeah, but I mean, it, what you know? What was Selma doing? This that she gets to be famous, she gets money, she could even get uh, jobs in Hollywood too. Like. And I would assume implicit in this is an open relationship. Like, yeah. I the way Troy goes, no problemo. That then if Selma was like, "Oh, I'm having sex with this. I'm having an affair with this guy," he'd be like, "Great, good for you." I think in the in the reality of the show, though, is that no other man would want Selma. So uh, I, that's sad. Yes. I, I though I also do like that the way Troy goes. Troy's about, he's like, the public must never know. You see, the secret is, it's yeah. like, oh! <laughs> you see what I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love that. But then, so Selma accepts it. And uh, so the Hollywood Walk of Fame is bullshit, I found out. Like, you have to pay so much money to even get considered to get on it. Like, it's not just, it's like a scam, like, but for uh, celebrities. It's like, like one of those uh, who's, who's, who's who books. It's yes. like, my child's in this because I gave them money to put my child in this. Like, I've seen some celebrities even have to like start some people start a fund for like well this celebrity doesn't want to pay for it but they should have a thing on the walk of fame so let's get together the tens of thousands of dollars to pay for this buster keaton's name gets removed (laughs) we get this great scene one day my lady selma's gonna have a star right next to mine so watch out laszlo panaflex (laughs) I love their fake names. Yeah, so yes. not a real name. Presumably, he uh, invented the Panaflex camera or something like that. So the opinions I found on the internet is is that it is a reference to Laszlo Kovacs, the mm. famous cinematographer who uh, has since passed away, who used a Panaflex camera ah, okay. to film scenes. That checks out. I'd I'd believe that, but it's just such a great hearing Phil Hartman say Laszlo Panaflex after a dramatic pause of him recalling the name. That's <laughs> <laughs> just reading it like. Laszlo Pan- it that is an experience you have if you've ever I've gone on the Walk of Fame once and that's because like when I went to E3 one year we were staying in Hollywood which boy that was great having to drive like 30 freaking minutes Yuck. to go to E3 each morning but it was the only but hey why should a company book hotels for E3 until like a month beforehand <laughs> you don't need to <laughs> uh, it's not like you know a year ahead of time you're going to E3 or anything it just sneaks up on you uh, I, I'm complaining about press trips guys but uh, <laughs> but when you walk it you are like I don't know who this person is I don't know who this person is and then you have to dodge the uh, the guys in costumes oh god yeah I mean I think when I went there um in 1999 there were no guys in costumes so it was before the era of like filthy Elmos and Pikachus trying to <laughs> take your money uh, Paul F. Tompkins has the best jokes about that the uh, the filthy Pikachu <laughs> that he sees or he's just like maybe he maybe he cleans himself in dirt to stay cool <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, 
know. Pikachu. I saw one of those poor bastards in like outside in Vegas. I'm like, dear lord, is there How any? How far other? do you have to fall in your life? That yeah. That's where you wind up as mascot guy in Vegas. Are you are you such an ex con you can't even apply for jobs? I know it's it's one thing if you're like the Vegas like street magician or dancer or or uh, beatbox rap guys that I saw, but those you at least don't have to be in costume. But if you, or even if you're like the metal man who just has painted gold skin. I, I stay away from them. They creep me the I fuck hate out. Them. Though in Vegas, the one I saw was the Elvis. It was a uh, metal Elvis. Mm, so he, even, had, he had a little more to it than just playing. But meanwhile, the guys in like the Elmos, the Hello Kitties, worst of all, the the Transformers, when they have oh. to be Bumblebee, it's just like, how do you even move? What are you doing? It just must be hell. Uh, but yeah, so Troy maybe is going to get McBain for Fatal Discharge, but he needs a little something extra. Oh, you're watching? Mac, you got to get me that part. <laughs> I will, but you got to do something for me. Problem is, the big parts these days are all going to family men. But I already got married. Yeah, but for a role like this, you got to pour it on. You and uh, a wife have got to have a baby. Baby, eh? What do I do? I'll send you over a pamphlet. Uh, listen, you can't buy that kind of PR, but you can get it for nothing by having a baby, which, by the way, your insurance will cover except for the deductible, which I'll reimburse you for if you get the part, which you will if you have a baby. <laughs> Say Troy Bien. Okay, now listen, uh, let's talk baby names. You can't use Montana, Dakota, or Florida. They're taken. Uh, Oregon? Oh, Pacific Northwest. Very hot. <laughs> Those baby names first off, uh, I'm guessing Florida is the joke one based yeah. on my research and it's the third, but uh, the, the other two are Montana is the la- is the name of Lawrence Fishburne's daughter, hmm. born in 1991, and Dakota is the name of Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson's daughter. Now all of the white people names uh, that are overdone are like Zayden and Brayden and <laughs> Jaden and uh, there uh, lots of Y's are mixed in there. Yeah, a lot of Y's these days. Yeah, listen, I, I'm Bob. It's fine. It's how you keep white names while spicing it up just a little bit, yeah. but not that much to where it's weird. Oh know? boy, like yeah. as a I think I've said this before as a as a college writing teacher like about a decade ago, I, I saw maybe 43 variations on Ashley. Like, let's calm. Let's have all the Ashleys. Let's calm down and figure out one Ashley name we can all spell. Uh, I my favorite Ashley is Ash from Evil Dead. Mm. It, it can be a boy's name too. It's it not can just be. for girls. I, I'm going to need a French speaker or someone knowledgeable in French to tell me the pun on "say Troy bien." Uh, it's uh, it says saying "say Troy bien." It's "say Troy bien." Ah, so he's saying okay. "say Troy bien." It's it's very good. I got say it. Troy bien. All right. See, I got it. Uh, I I took Spanish in high school. <laughs> you you took you took French, Bob. So you, you got well, me I on mean, this. Trey Bien has been in The Simpsons before. It was in uh, The Way We Was. Oh, that's Marjorie right. Trey Bien. Oh, yeah. And also, Mo didn't know what it means when she's like, hmm, Trey Bien. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatically, I wish they'd explored this more, but it's a really good idea of just like, not only... It's not that she's given uh, Troy's wild ride, but it's that Selma is faced with a moral conundrum. She has this life that she is comfortable in, and now it's her dream of having a child, but it's all wrong. That's true, and I totally forgot uh, that uh, previous episodes explored her want, uh, her need for a baby too, mm-hmm. like Duff Gardens. Yeah, Duff Gardens was all that she has Jub Jub to replace the child she didn't have, and in uh, about a decade, she'll adopt a Chinese baby for this same reason, mm-hmm. and that, and uh, yeah, just her her moral dilemma is a really like emotional moment in this very silly Troy McClure episode, and it's good that in this upcoming. 
upcoming scene, it's not that Troy does not want to have sex with her because she is being portrayed as ugly or gross mm-hmm. or smelly or boring. It's it's that's a different reason that, that yeah. they're not compatible. He just he doesn't know what to do with a human. Like he needs a brochure to know <laughs> how babies are made. That's that's just where he's at. And Selma's trying her best in this scene. Uh, come here, tiger. <laughs> Would you like some wine? Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, why don't you come over here and make yourself more comfortable? No. <laughs> why don't you come over here and make yourself comfortable? I'm sorry, this whole concept's foreign to me. Who knew a baby would be so much work? Having a baby isn't supposed to be work. It's supposed to be an expression of the feelings we're supposed to have for each other. Oh, like how we built that snowman together in that Newport ad? <laughs> Remember how alive with pleasure they said we were? <laughs> they said we were. <laughs> I love I love that line. The most thing they're like, well, we'd make a human together like we built a snowman. Is that how this works? He's out of touch with humanity. Yeah. I do like his response to foreplay is a very childish, no, you come over here. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and his, I I love the uh, him acting as the tiger, as the sexy tiger. Yeah. And then him going from that act to the honest desperation of, yes. <laughs> it's great. I, I love how the shot is framed too where they're both very far apart and very small on the screen so it's communicating their distance uh, emotionally as well as physically mm-hmm. with, with how it's staged <laughs> she realizes that it's just not gonna work look I'm sorry a loveless marriage is one thing we're not hurting anybody <laughs> but bringing a child into a loveless family is something I just can't do oh great we'll adopt mm-hmm. I'll call my agent he'll find some kid who wants in on the deal <laughs> goodbye Troy I'll always remember you, but not from your films. And then it ends. Yeah, that's a I I love her line of it's it's really sweet. The I'll always remember you. I mean, he's always telling people they might remember him, and she's like, I'll always remember you. That's very cute. Yeah, and I feel mm. like if they had more time, they would have had Selma like one final scene with Selma at the Simpsons, mm. you know. But I, I, they could, could they couldn't work it in because they're barely in this in this story, and that's not a problem. But it just feels like if you're going to put him in uh, needlessly, why not just have one thing to wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, it's that, or at least a scene before this one where she talks about her moral quandary yeah. with the family before the sex scene or the I, would-be sex scene. I'm sure the original script was much longer. It did I, feel I like it so. cut off pretty quick. Like they had to wrap things up. Yeah. Pretty economic. Yeah. Well, it's also one of the rare times where they have jokes over the credits too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And uh, and also though, it feels like they had added something later when she's talking to Jub Jub about uh, the microwaving crickets. They're like, eh, we can't just have it silent here, but we're not going to play music. So let's add something here. But. And don't forget that Jub Jub was created so they could make a joke about Murphy Brown. <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> and he was named by Conan O'Brien just because that was a nonsense noise he made in the writer's room uh but then one of my favorite endings of a simpsons episode ever in a bold move that has stunned hollywood insiders newly divorced comeback kid troy mcclure has turned down the supporting lead in mcbain four to direct and star in his own pet project the contrabulous fab traption of <laughs> professor horatio huffnagel will the gambit pay off 20th century fox is betting it will 
whenever the 20th Century Fox jingle is a punchline in the show, it's always great. They're ruthless yeah. towards yeah. their own company. <laughs> Especially in the here we go again. <laughs> uh, so this that gag is a great way to, one, they need to get Troy back to obscurity, so he needs to make a garbage film no one would watch. <laughs> Anytime I hear of a pet project of an actor who's just like this is a movie I've been dreaming of making for forever like whatever Warren Beatty makes now pretty much Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium yes. yeah, there, were, there, were t- there were two movies like this that's the other one The Imaginarium mm-hmm. of Dr. Panarsis is yeah, that what it was it's just like yeah. when those movies were announced I'm like have you guys seen The Simpsons you can't name your movie this <laughs> it's it's such an old way of uh, calling things I, I, I love the drawing of him too that it again looks like a seven 70s kids film of a guy with his crazy fab traption on him. It's quite the flying machine he has. Yeah, or like uh, like Figment. Or what's yeah, the name of that guy the, with Figment? The, the guy remember. who works with Figment in the uh, old Imagination ride. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a Disney super fan, but I yeah, yeah. it's it it's very, very similar to that. Old world steampunky kind of weird goofball Willy Wonka mm. nonsense. Yeah, very Willy Wonka. And uh, <laughs> Dan Grady in our interview said that uh, he's half of that joke because <laughs> he came up with a fabulous contraption and then Bill Oakley turn it into a contabulous fab traption which uh dan greeny said you it's can't actually, come up with that if you don't know a fabulous contraption though so it, there it's so confusing it's actually contrabulous fab traption right. it's, god it's I, I, I had to write it down because i can only th- like say it but I, I actually don't know how to spell that out it sounds like they took normal words and just you know those magnets that have like parts of words oh, and phrases and you like just scramble refrigerator all together, poetry right yeah. <laughs> and and it is like one of those things that it immediately flops and then you're going to hear about it as one of the biggest flops of all time and that Fox would be the place stupid enough to invest in. This is uh, Troy McClure's John Carter. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, yes. God, so... Or Toys. I think it really reminds me of Toys, too. Yeah. Which uh, came out about four years before this episode, I believe it was, three or four. And the story behind that is that uh, Barry, uh, it's Barry Sonnenfeld, right? Uh, he was trying to get it made for a long time. It was mm. sort of a dream project, and that's the reason why uh, Robin Williams like spat upon the genie. <laughs> because Disney used them in his marketing, and it, and it cut toys off at the legs. Yeah, and let's, who's going to see toys when they can hear him as a genie? Let, let's be honest, toys cut itself off at the legs. By existing, it did, yes. Uh, so weird. Uh, well, so Nathan, what do you think of this episode? You know, it's funny, like I was saying earlier, I really didn't remember how much I remembered of it, and it has some of my favorite lines from, like, <laughs> the mid-sort of tier Simpsons episodes that I'm just like, man, this this series is such a part of my brain that I almost have a hard time remembering certain subplots mm-hmm. for specific episodes. Like, I'll remember the A-plot, but... Yeah, there's a lot more here that I expected from a Selma episode, too. <laughs> like, It's just a lot of free-floating jokes in your brain, yeah. and then when you see this episode... It then comes together, like, oh, like, wow, this had a lot better material than I remember. It's like puzzle pieces falling <laughs> into place. You're like, oh, that's where all those were. Right. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorites, too. It's it's really just a, like, Phil Hartman's the greatest, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Him, this is a tour de force for him. Jeff Goldblum only makes it better, mm-hmm. and sad Selma stories are always fun, and this also I, I think it's timeless in a way in that there will always be celebrity as long as Hollywood has existed there have been celebrity scandals and the covering up of them and so this this always will be relevant relevant yeah. yes yeah I mean we get a bigger format breaking story with uh, 22 short films about Springfield in a few episodes but I feel like this is only like second to that in terms of 
being daring and not using the Simpsons that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, previously with some episodes, there were stronger B stories with main Simpsons characters, but like Bart gets one line, Homer gets like four lines. Lisa I, gets a line. Yeah, but it's still very funny, and and Phil Hartman's amazing. This is like his the biggest episode probably ever of the Simpsons, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 great just for that. But it's also like, look what we can do in this universe. We don't need the family all the time. And stay tuned for twenty two short films. That's mm-hmm. not next, but it's coming up soon. But yes, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, this has been Talking Simpsons. Before I uh, I tell you about all of us, let's talk about Nathan. What sure. do you do? Uh, what, how can we help you in some uh, way? You can go to my website for the game studio my friend and I started. Uh, it's called Doxin Studios, but it's D-A-X-N-D.com, just to keep it simple. Yeah, that uh, dog name is hard to sell. Uh, hard yeah, to that's spell. why we just we we lucked out that there was such an easy alternative spelling for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're making a space pirate themed uh, sort of throwback to LucasArts style adventure mm, cool. games with character management stuff that's sort of inspired by Persona and Mass Effect. So it's all like about it. like sp- who you want to choose to spend more time with in this crew of space pirates. Very inspired by like Captain Harlock and the sp- Leiji Matsumoto anime. Nice. Uh, but tonally, it's more kind of like in the realm of like Venture Brothers comedically hmm. but with some kind of anime drama influences. Oh anyway, I like all, all of these things. All of my, all of the things that's, that's why we call it slipstream scalawags. Cause it's uh slipstream is a term for basically a bunch of different disparate icon concepts and ideas sort of mashed together. Um, and we just learn to take all the things that really like make us passionate about art and, and storytelling and kind of shove it all into one thing. So, awesome. uh, but yeah, we're, we're hopefully going to have some method for people to give us money at Excellent. some point for it. So just keep an eye on, on our social media, DAX and D on Twitter and Facebook or on our website. Um, we have a couple trailers on there so you can kind of get an idea what the game's like. Um, and then bother me on Twitter at Kenji Salk. Um, if you, don't like my opinions on podcasts. I, I'm used to getting yelled at for them, so I'm kind of like, I sort of embrace it. I'm like, just bring it, please. I don't. I don't Our think. audience is very nice. I think. Yeah. yeah. Everything I've seen on like the Facebook page or response to your Twitter account is definitely pretty yeah. positive. So we have good following. So let me tell everybody about the amazing Patreon that funds all of the <laughs> stuff that we do in the Talking Simpsons Network. Go to Patreon.com/slash/TalkingSimpsons. If you go there at the five dollar level, it's a very popular level. If you donate to that. Everyone will love you more. Uh, you'll be more sexually attractive. You'll live longer, but also you will get so many bonus podcasts. Number one, you'll get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. Every episode of our other podcast, What a Cartoon, a week ahead of time and ad-free. That is us doing this with many different series, one episode at a time, but not chronologically, of course. We're just kind of picking and choosing. Um, we also have tons of other stuff like all of Talking Futurama, the entire first season of Futurama with the Talking Simpsons treatment. The same goes for all of The Critic. We did all of the critic there's 23 episodes of talking critic on the patreon stuff like interviews with simpsons writers and directors a monthly community podcast the end of season wrap-ups deleted scenes so much stuff going on there and also, if you give to the Patreon, what happens is they give you a little RSS link. You plug that into whatever you use to listen to the podcast, and it downloads all of our bonus stuff automatically, just like how you listen to all of your podcasts. So no matter what you use, there's a way to get all of our bonus stuff really, really easily. And I think I've covered all of everything? Uh, yeah, pretty much. The only thing I'd add is that there's the $10 level, where if you give it that, you get a access to a monthly video that we've been doing now. There's about 10 of them, where including some where me and Bob go through every Simpsons short original 
original. And we also go through the deleted scenes. Not to mention, uh, oh yeah, one last thing you didn't mention. At the $5 level, you'll also get access to classic, uh, classic Krusty, <laughs> but classic Talking uh, what Simpsons. what was I on? <laughs> the entire first season of Talking Simpsons. Only available there. I think I was on beer then, but yes. <laughs> uh, I've been your host, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. Go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. You'll find it. I think you'll like it. Henry, where can we find you? I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, and you'll find me there to hear all about the new events in the world of Talking Simpsons, where we announce all the cool stuff we're working on, and we're working on some really cool stuff for the summertime, guys. Give it a listen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week with Bart on the Road. infotainment.